It's time for another episode of The Four Horsemen. Unfortunately, uh, joining us this week will be our guest horsewoman from ESG Law, Krista Heiner, who's a lawyer, so she can help guide us through the complaint and any potential consequences, um, how serious it is, coming, uh, of course, from the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, what this might mean for other developers. So we'll actually get into the nitty gritty on a lot of the legal details, which I have not seen anybody do yet. And we have also have plenty of ethical discussions to be had between the four of us when it comes to these practices in the games industry, potential uh, you know, how we can move forward in the games industry from this particular point, uh, given that the combination of Ubisoft, Riot, and now Activision Blizzard, having these lawsuits or very serious allegations against them seems to be what you know if you work in the games industry, which is a, a trend towards these behaviors uh, more generally and broadly speaking, and basically a long history of cover-ups and also incestuous employee movement, basically moving these employees who have committed these actions uh, from one company to another. And so here we are. So I think it's best to actually get rolling here with the complaint itself, uh, because for those of you who are familiar with the legal field, these complaints are often kind of incendiary in nature, especially if they're private. Um, I'm not familiar with the specific department and how serious it is within the state of California. So Krista is here to guide us through the allegations of the complaint, who is making it, kind of the scope of the investigation, the seriousness of the governmental body, and the ramifications that this could have. Yeah, by the way, one key thing is if you can ex explicate the, the part about the department is the one that confuses me. Like if you remember the riot story, that was actually a journalist expose into like a lawsuit basically. So the way we kind of got that news was more as you'd expect the usual kind of pipeline was. I wondered when I saw like, the name of this department, it's like how does that connect to it? So can you give us the background in that sense? Yeah, yeah. So the Department of Fair Employment housing is just the body within California state government that can sue to enforce fair employment and housing laws, stuff like discrimination, Equal Pay Act, harassment, retaliation, all claims that we see in this case. Uh, the riot case, if I remember correctly, originally started with employees actually filing complaints. Then the state of California, again, through this same department, got involved with investigating. They have since, I think earlier this year, announced that they would be filing a lawsuit against Riot, uh, which okay. would procedurally be the same as what we're seeing in Activision. So a complaint like this, and they are inviting those individual employees from Riot to uh, join in that lawsuit. Actually, I want to talk about this Riot lawsuit a little bit before we pivot to Activision. We're there, Which is, um, We've seen this a little bit in this case, not necessarily in the complaint. I don't think it's there, but we've seen in Activision employees open letter that one of their demands is they want Activision to remove any forced arbitration clauses from their right. Um, there was, by way of more legal background, in 2020, California passed this new law, which made it illegal for employers to force arbitration for certain claims. Those claims, just to keep it general, are employment-related claims such as discrimination. So I think I believe every single claim that's being asserted by the state of California in the Activision lawsuit would fall within that exception if employees were filing it, which is just, in other words, if employees were suing Activision directly for this, it would be illegal to force arbitration for that as long as they had signed an arbitration clause after this law was passed in 2020. And I won't spend too much time diving into the yeah, nuances yeah. of like dates and details and procedures because that's not particularly sexy details. But um, 
So the right procedure of their lawsuit varied uh, a little bit, and that's why. It's because of who filed initially, when the investigation happened, and also the laws have changed a little bit between the two lawsuits. Krista, for those who don't know, uh, can you describe what arbitration is? Because, uh, yeah, let's not assume that people know what that is. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And to the extent I bring up stuff like that, comment, I I will explain. Um, So typically when you sue somebody, you have the traditional court system, which we're all aware of, we see on TV, it's what you hear about, it's what you picture when you envision someone being sued. It's cases that are heard by judges and juries. Arbitration is... A private third party, and there's a couple different nationally recognized, even some internationally recognized companies where you can do this. But arbitration is essentially taking that legal process and putting it through a private third party. So third party neutral, the parties agree on who their arbitrator is going to be. And the arbitrator is essentially replacing the judge or the jury. They're going to make all the decisions regarding the case. Um, And and generally, just on, on that point, it's usually done if i'm right because well two two outcomes arbitration is preferable to the employer because first of all when it comes to punitive damages and awards uh, it's generally less and of course secondly and more crucially um because it's not at a jury and in a court it's not filed so the details aren't publicly available they're kind of kept clandestinely with the with the company and the third party that acts as the arbitrator Yeah, confidentiality is probably the biggest driver behind that. There's also an argument to be made for it being a little bit more efficient. Cases can sit in court for literally years. Like, I I have honestly lost track of where the Riot Games lawsuit is because it settled, it got back in court. I think the settlement was rescinded. Mm-hmm. Correct. There was that story, if you remember, where it was implied they'd sort of messed with the lawyers of the the women in some case yeah. or something. So wasn't there some sort of like um, uncertainty of what was going to happen with that? Yeah, yeah. But it's not uncommon for lawsuits to just take forever. Like it, okay. it's not unusual for a lawsuit to sit forever. But you're right. There was there were changes in the lawyers that were representing the plaintiffs in that case. There's lots of other things happening. Um, but arbitration can be quicker. Uh, it just takes a long time to move through our court system. Part of the reason why is because our court systems are super bogged down. On top of that, the pandemic really slowed things down because even fewer cases are being held. Trials are being held by like Zoom, which is incredibly, yeah. it's like a nightmare to do anything by Zoom when it comes to like resolving. Like, like that lawyer that turned into a kitten. Because <laughs> he had yeah, his filter exactly, on. exactly. Yeah. Um, although funny stuff happens too when you uh, when people have to dial in on Zoom and they're not familiar with it. Um, it's usually embarrassing to the people that don't know how to use Zoom, but entertaining nonetheless. Especially Jeffrey uh, Tubin. What's that? <laughs> Especially Jeffrey Tubin, but I tried to yeah. slip oh. that one under the wire there. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the type of thing that I'm, I'm talking okay. about, actually. Like Jeffrey okay. Tubin, he should really know better. Um, but yeah, so arbitration um, is, you were right, Rich, exactly. But on top of that, we have the interest of expediency. But a huge downside for employees is arbitration is not set up for class action lawsuits. So if you're an employee that wants to be in a class action lawsuit, you want to keep that in the traditional courts. If you are an employee or an ex-employee suing for something like this, it's in your best interest for it to be heard through the public court system because that information is public. You want to get the word out. It put, you know puts pressure on Activision or whoever your former or current employee is to actually do the right thing. So there's a huge power struggle there between whether to keep things in arbitration. There might be some circumstances in which an employee wants to arbitrate. You know, I don't know what those are off the top of my head when it relates to employment claims, but it is it is possible. And an employee can consent. They can consent to go to arbitration. But here, if I was representing the employees, I would recommend 
we keep this in an arbitration. Uh, but going back to, I think, Monty's original question on kind of the severity of this, how um, or important is this, and how incendiary is this as compared to private complaints, um, this is serious. I mean, this is the state of California. I'll probably refer to this department as the department or maybe the agency or California. It sure. all means the same thing. This is the state of California. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll, try to, I'll try to use the same name for consistency to not confuse anybody. Um, but it's it a very serious. lawyerly thing to do. I know. I know. I also, I'm going to try not to overdo with the disclaimers. I feel like the need to make disclaimers has been drilled into me throughout the years. Uh, of course. This is not legal but, advice. The yeah, Four Horsemen is not, is not legal, legal advice. advice. <laughs> I am here to keep these three guys in line, but that's fine. Thank you. Um, when we're talking about how incendiary this is, I assume most people that are watching this have read the complaint. I'm certain the three of you have read through it a couple of times. And we've yeah. all seen lots of articles about it. A lot of this is really, really difficult to read. It's horrible stuff being alleged. It's something you wouldn't want to have happen to you. Uh, it doesn't matter if you have a daughter or a sister or a friend that's a woman. You don't want this to happen to like any woman in any workplace, period. Um, that said, this is this does not strike me as something that as something that is as intentionally incendiary as I think Activision is claiming it is. Um, I mean, there the statements that I've seen from Activision Blizzard seem to indicate that the department is not playing fairly and they're just trying to blow up Activision. I mean, compared to private complaints that are filed between parties. I'm not seeing this level of um, kind of blow the belt punches here that you might see in those other ones. Um, I am curious to see, I am curious about why are we not seeing more details about, for example, the equal pay claims, because you would think if the state already has this information that they could, in theory, easily quantify in a way that makes it clear in the complaint. I'm wondering why. Especially because they, they put out the executive pay in a table within the complaint. So it seems like they could put out another table with, with employee compensation on average. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really interesting too, because that table, I mean, it, it's interesting to look at who doesn't want to know what these people in a leadership positions at this company are making, especially Bobby Kotick after his huge bonus last year, after laying off all these employees. Um, but that information isn't great evidence when we're looking at the Equal Pay Act violations, because in order to win, the state or whoever winds up suing, I'm sure employees will join this case as additional plaintiffs, but you have to prove that the company was paying two different people in substantially similar roles, um, you know, substantially similar responsibilities, substantially similar, you'd fill in the blank with whatever you want, that they were being paid differently. And the CEO has, doesn't have substantially similar job obligations or job duties as the chief people officer or whatever. So sure. it's interesting that they included that. I don't think it's a you know, silver bullet by any means, um, but, the state is not obligated to list every single detail in the complaint, technically. Um, I expect that we will By the way, that. for that one, I, I got this sense as well, I want to ask. I got the sense that when they included that sentence about like equal pay and equal pay protections, that the implication was it was the women who said they'd sort of been passed over for promotions or better salaries, which would, would not be incredibly difficult to actually prove, basically. It's hard to prove. Um, it's hard to prove. I mean, if there was something in writing from a decision maker at Blizzard that said, you know, we're not going to hire her because she's a woman or something that's like very clearly yes. implies that, amazing sure. evidence. That's what you want to see. It's unlikely you're going to get that though, yeah. Yeah, what idiot is going to put that in writing? Yeah. 
they could be verbally saying it to their, you know, coworkers or whoever their counterparts are all day long. But then we're getting into oral testimony and who's telling the truth. He said, she said, and all that stuff. So oh. it is really, really difficult to prove, I would say. It can be done. It will, we'll have to see what types of, um, like, pay records are produced in discovery. And my guess is some of this stuff will get leaked um, inevitably just because this is such a high-profile lawsuit that just happens. It's pretty salacious. A lot of people are going to want in on this story, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we've seen some employees that still have access to certain things, Activision, um, leaking stuff as it is. Um, so that's what will come out. And it'll probably appear in other pleadings that do get filed with the court. So if either party files, like a motion, for example, let's say Activision at some point they file a motion to dismiss to just get rid of the case altogether. They will have to file paperwork. They will have to include exhibits. And it's possible that that will include wage records, for example, stuff like that. So we as a public will see some of this. We won't necessarily see everything that's exchanged in discovery. Um, probably not. Um, can't remember where I was going with this thought. Um, but on the equal pay point, it is going to be difficult to prove. And it's premature at this point to say, can the state prove that there is a violation here? Because we just don't know. Um, yeah. A complaint tells a story, yeah, but it tells an incomplete story. And it, it's it's important to note that there's kind of several different um, categories within this complaint. So as Krista's alluding to, there is there's the issue of equal pay, which is touched on. Um, there's the issue of lack of promotion, which Thorin mentioned. So there's stories about women who um, were ostensibly working for longer at Activision Blizzard. And also, by the way, guys, when we talk about Activision Blizzard, this is rolling in. So for those who don't know, Activision is the publisher and they are located. They have a large building in Santa Monica in Los Angeles and California. And Blizzard is a subsidiary developer and they are published by Activision, and they are located in Irvine. So for some of these stories, we know they took place at Blizzard. Other of these stories, they could have taken place at Activision in Santa Monica. So we actually don't know which branch of the company right. a lot of this has <clears throat> happened in. So it is important to distinguish um, because these these are, in my experience of literally working for years for you know with Activision Blizzard, is that you know, they're they're effectively very separate companies in that they are in different physical locations, have different corporate cultures. Um, there is crossover, but it's mostly at the executive level. And for most people in a day to day capacity, they're not really working with the other entity, um, I would say is a fair way to categorize it because Blizzard is making the games and then Activision is distributing is publishing them is distributing them is doing the marketing for them a lot of the time, uh, etc. Um, there was more I will say there was significantly more crossover in Overwatch League because it was led by people from Activision and it went all the way to the top with Bobby Kotick and it was kind of a weird bridge between Activision and Blizzard. Um, so anyway, uh, back to the claims. So there we have these claims of being passed over for promotion. We have claims of um, not having the same wage uh, between genders. We have claims that the workplace attitude, like the frat boy culture, the frat boy, which they put in quotes in, in the complaint culture, yeah, which yeah, <laughs> yeah it, we'll, we'll discuss that. I think that's actually like, that's, I, that I, mean, word I, 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 I think that really diminishes the impact. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it implies by the way, that like literally going up to as far as rape is just normal frat boy culture, yeah. which I'm going to assume a lot of people, even in frats are like, wait, wait, I didn't sign up for that. Like what? <laughs> no. You know, like, I, I agree. They've made that like a very, like a you, there's a satirical publication. Darker. There's a satirical publication called hard drive. Where it said uh, fraternity criticized for Activision Blizzard like culture. There you go. And I there think you that's. Go. <laughs> there you go. I think that's. 
a lot yes. more actually damning yes, and accurate. Well played. Well played. Right. And, and here's the other thing is like, I hate the term too, because there's no, it's not like they're, you know, being a frat is a frat boy is perfectly legal, right? Whereas the allegations in this are of illegal behavior. So unless they're trying to imply that frat boys should be, you know, their behavior should be illegal, I think you want to use a different term. But anyway, that's the term. Yes, though, I know why they do it though, because here's the thing: there is a logical element to it, which is the implication is this: the behavior that in, that might be considered acceptable for a frat house, which would be like bawdy, fucking roughhousing type. That obviously wouldn't be appropriate then if it was work setting and with women. And Works yeah, exactly. So from that angle, I get it. But I agree. Yeah. They definitely that umbrella is way too broad for some of the things it's covering for this discussion. <laughs> it is effective at like immediately putting a picture in your mind of what they're so, talking about, right? And I just um, I don't know. I, there are there are good frat boys out there too, and yeah. You know, yeah, we, we all agree with it. Sure. But I, the other thing too is, and the difference is that you know when you when you are attending a frat party, whether as a frat boy or a guest of that fraternity house, you are opting into that experience. It's not like the entire college is that experience, or at least sure. you hope it's not, right? Whereas the point is, is like this is was this wasn't necessarily an opt-in experience for many people. It would be like sitting in college and the frat party just comes over to where you're working in the library and starts being an asshole to you. So yeah. it's 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 a very different very different in in that regard. So there's that aspect of the complaint. Um, then there are some more specific, uh, then we get into the sexual harassment claims, which border from, um, you know, these, these like cube crawls, which are just like, so, so pathetic. Like, I, I just, I just laugh when I see this shit. And we'll get into like video game company culture, because I really hate it. Um, and I just find it so incredibly lame and the people who engage in it so incredibly lame. Um, but we have that aspect of it. And then also allegate allegations of like physical sexual harassment or, uh, commenting on, you know, women's bodies or, uh, all the way up to sharing nude photos, which resulted allegedly in a woman's suicide. Um, uh, so it gets, it, you know, it gets really dark really quickly. Um, and so there are all these people who were in like management and authority positions sort of used that dynamic to get dates with people, et cetera. The implication being again, potentially this is how you climb up through the company, mixing together the personal and the private. Yeah. Which in my opinion is. Of course, I'm saying you don't do that, of course, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's, by the way, it's absolutely rife from what I've heard in companies like Blizzard and Riot. And there's one of the things that anyone who was in the industry this whole time knew the entire time. I've always said to Richard, I've always found it mad creepy that people brag about how there's thousands of rioters. Because whenever I meet low-level rioters, they're always got a girl who they're dating who's just fucking started working there or might yep. has just moved to the area and wants to get it. It's like the whole thing's almost like systemically bred into the culture of the company. Like I find it very, like I always thought there's something a bit off with that. What, why is everyone cool with this? Like, I mean, it's like, we were, keep private, you know? it's like we were talking about just before we went live. I mean, it's, you know, I, it, it, not just that one particular instance, but I've heard numerous instances at these companies where, you know, these lecherous pathetic mediocre middle management types that we've all met thousands of which i'll be talking a little bit about their kind of you know makeup in, in a little bit but what they do is they meet women that are uh very interested in the idea of working at uh you know in esports and gaming and they immediately put this weird fucked up power dynamic on them yep. that like hey i'll get you a job i'll get you an internship and suddenly 
the personal and and uh, the the employment is all wrapped up in something that's really quite sinister and 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 this happens this isn't just by the way like a handful of people in sort of like the first rung of management doing it because they're playing out some pathetic power fantasy i'm talking about senior executives yes. run this type of game and yeah it, that, i mean that is something that has just gone on in the industry for the longest time i'll, I'll also explicitly say while the overwhelming majority are men doing it to women uh, I'll also add, I've certainly heard of men doing it to men, and in, yep. on a very rare occasion, you do get the occasional woman doing it to a man. But um, generally, it is a, a male and, and woman dynamic that happens at these companies. Yeah, so I do want to get into... Oh, go, go ahead, Krista. No, this will, will there will be plenty other opportunities to bring this point. I do want to get into the cultural aspect, but I want to stick with the complaint just for a moment. So, Krista, there are these different. Would you add any other categories of things that happened in this complaint? Because I'd like to hear before we trust me, we're going to get into the cultural aspect and I've yeah. got a ton to say on that. But I also want to talk about from your perspective, what are the implications of these kind of different buckets of of uh, kind of grievances in the complaint? So if I remember, I think there are nine or 10 different causes of action listed out, but a lot of them really overlap. And they're just doing that because that's how you procedurally have to plead, cite different statutes and whatever. But you've hit, for the most part, all of the concepts and categories of claims, which is unequal pay, discrimination, which is also tied to unequal pay, passing over people for promotions, as Thorin said, um, not hiring people, firing people. You know, micromanaging certain people that you wouldn't other people like there was the example of the woman in the complaint who her boss called to see what she was doing if she went for a walk in the middle of the day which is just mind-boggling somebody would do that um retaliation but that again fits in with a lot of these other concepts as well which is uh women not being treated fairly for reporting stuff um and uh harassment sexual harassment um, I mean, one one thing as well that I was really surprised by, because if, if you ever want to get an insight into how Activision Blizzard think about their employees, there was a story I covered in 2019, uh, which was that all the women employees at the company, Blizzard were paying them a dollar a day if they were pregnant, not as a bonus, but to share the data about their pregnancy so they could monitor off days, productivity, this type of thing, so they could factor it into future decisions relating to women's bodies and pregnancy specifically. Now, that to me, I mean, that's... Well, the implication of what you're saying, Alec, it was something like to decide how many women they hire who could be pregnant or something. What's the implication of what well, you're so trying you, to Well, so you, you, you couldn't obviously say that, that yeah, broad yeah. statement in and of sure. itself. But oh, what sure. they were saying was it was, you know, we can assess risks to the business and things like right. this. Um, you know, the the, the motivations for it to me are, are, are quite yeah, yeah in this you know if people think i'm making this up and it's one of richard's crazy stories it was, it was in it was in the washington post i mean make of that what you will um but basically yeah you were you any pregnant employee was essentially financially enticed to hand over data so they could kind of monitor um what that meant for a woman employee to be pregnant at the company and that to me and as we'll get to um there, these companies don't really think of their employees and certainly their women employees as as people in a lot of ways. There's this almost like cattle-esque 
aspect that's going on. Um, it, it's it's horrifying. I, I think these companies are so, you know, they've been due a reckoning for a long, long time. That does sound a bit like the whole dystopia of like you're the faceless worker and then they're just there to exploit how much productivity, how much productivity TM you can generate during. I mean, they'd probably even put some mad spin on it. Like, you know, it's the fucking blizzard spirit or some shit, you know, like that's like the top performing person who takes the least pregnancy days off or some mad shit like that. (laughs) The joke of all this stuff, by the way, and this will be a theme of this episode, I'm pretty sure, is half of this shit has just had a slap of new paint written called diversity and whatever else they're calling it now that they put over it right and if you just scratch it through the pin in underneath it's the same bloody sign from before of like business as usual but we're just going to rebrand it all like there's no change like the you see explicitly again and again i'm getting bored and this is the one element of these shows i hate is when everyone tells me it's all right thorin they caught the bad guys now they're all in prison and only the good guys are going to be in these companies it's the same fucking people they just hire another guy who looks the same and has a different name and does the same exact shit and it just keeps going on 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 and the best you can hope for is some people get punished i don't think there's never actually systemic change it's not even that it's like with the riot example no one got fired show me another company where they can go through that level of public scandal that involves the government that results in zero terminations in the in the leadership you'd at least have a leadership figure just like almost like sacrificially step down to be like exactly i want you you know so you know i I, I think I think the most grotesque aspect isn't that there wasn't just anyone fired at Riot. It's that the managers got to come out and somehow try and make it that, you know, it was a big victory for themselves. I mean, Mark Merrill, one of the worst fucking narcissists I've ever seen in anything. I'm not just talking about gaming <laughs> and true. esports. Literally came out and said, I did a town hall meeting with those women and listened to them. And I cried. I, I, I don't give a fuck about your tears, homie. Like, you're in charge of this whole fucking shit show. Like, oh. I, I was always raised to believe that if you were a CEO of a big company and grotesque and heinous shit was happening at that company on your watch, and it happened for a prolonged period of time, you're the first to go. You fall on your sword. That's why you're paid fucking tens of millions of dollars yes. every year. That's the point. You're the guy that goes so they don't have to do systemic change because it's like it's like a changing of a government yes all the policies are the same but look we've elected a different person back to sleep plebs it's a spell that they cast on you and you are paid to enact that spell things are so bad in gaming the ceos don't even have to fire they find some fucking meaningless middle manager arsehole and carry the whole can right and then they are and the rest of them who knew about it they just get to skate, go back to work, get their benefits. Hey, probably get a big fat fucking bonus in 12 months time when everyone's yeah. forgotten about it. It's insane. Yeah. All right. and, and like, it's, it's good, Mark Merrill. I, I'm glad you had that experience that it brought you to tears. But like that means fuck all unless you're actually going to. <laughs> exactly. like, actions matter. Like what else are you going to do? Oh. You heard women speak once. And that was probably the first time you listened to women about this. Exactly. And uh, Krista, we'll get into actions because so many of these people, this is, this is, you know, I'm tired of hearing from people at these companies who are like, I'm going to do better next time when they've never taken any action publicly, when they've never, when they see, here's the thing. The current state of things is as long as you go on social media and you say the right words in the way that people want to hear them, that counts as an action. And people who do the actions, but then maybe they say something you don't like, well, all of a sudden they're the villains who are going to get you know, strung up for this kind of bullshit or held up as examples, uh, you know, as what you shouldn't have um, 
as a role model when it's actually the people at these companies who have never actually done anything besides just spout hollow words. And it's it's about time we start talking about that and seeing through it. So Krista, I want to talk about what are the ramifications of this complaint before we go into some of the more, uh, I would say, opinionated takes that we're going to have and our experiences within these cultures. Because I would like to share some of the experiences that I had uh, working with Activision Blizzard because I think they're highly relevant to this case. But what are what are the possible ramifications of this complaint and its its various uh, different claims against Activision Blizzard? So I'll talk short term and then potentially long term. Long term, just so we can know what we can expect in the short term. Short term, Activision has Activision Blizzard has thirty days to file an answer, which will be public. I'm sure it will be circulated around the internet shortly after it's filed, and we will all enjoy looking at that. It will certainly just deny most of this stuff. Sure. It's not necessarily going to have any super interesting substantive information. It will probably just be general denials. Um, Long term, oh, worth looking at a lot of looking at. I would say millions of dollars if the state can successfully prove any of this happened. Obviously, the more they prove, the more damage, the more damaged people. And by that, I mean the more people that are harmed, uh, both emotional distress, so on and so forth. And the more malice that uh, the state can prove, because they are proving in this complaint that, or they are alleging in this complaint that Activision acted willfully. They knew what they were doing. They acted with malice. And the more of that, that, that intent element they can prove, that's the more money that Activision can be ordered to um, ordered to pay. But on top of that, we have implications here where, yes, the company is being sued. You've probably seen in the defendants list, there's a party that's listed as like John Doe or Doe's 1 through 10. That's just a placeholder for individual names that in theory will be replaced with actual people's names. That's probably going to be individuals who were and maybe still are in positions of authority at Blizzard who actually exercised discretion to create the policies <clears throat> that led to this wrongful behavior. And those people can be held individually liable. In really, really extreme cases, um, I can't remember what specific statute this is. I think it might relate to the arbitration statute actually that prohibits certain claims from being forced to arbitration or prohibits arbitration clauses and contracts. There's actually a criminal element to it where certain people can be found guilty of a misdemeanor. So in mm. some extreme cases, there can be individuals that are facing criminal liability for this. I think that's going to be really hard to prove and establish, but it is a possible long-term ramification. Um, as far as Activision changing their policies, the state of California is asking for the judge to order injunctive relief, which is essentially an order from a judge or jury or whoever decides that says, stop doing this shitty behavior, fix your policies. And they could very well get that order. But again, that doesn't really mean much because Blizzard can either choose to comply with the law and not get sued again or continue to violate the law and then wind up back here again in five, 10 years. Actually, that's probably something, by the way, we should probably maybe we'll table it till the end of the discussion. But I get the sense that like this is just going to be a rolling thing with these enormous companies that are like monoliths in terms of how many people work for them. Because as I say, they're not changing the culture. They're just finding ways to PR optics their way out of it and make it seem like they've done enough talking things. So I suspect personally, the next 20, 30 years will just be cases like this continuously with some of these massive companies and being updated and then the precedent set from those being applied. I don't imagine this, these are one-offs for these companies if you look at the amount of people coming forward already i'm also very interested likely, i have to yeah go on i think most likely to um i think you're right about that 
I think this case and future cases probably will settle. You know, they don't want a decision on this. It'd be so insanely expensive. They also Uh, don't want public discovery on this. What's that, Monty? They don't want public discovery on this either. Right. Right. Yeah, they want to keep this out of the public as much well, as possible. Well, yeah, keep in mind they'll already have been told, you know, you can't delete any emails, any yes. form of communication, any recordings, like any, uh, you know, any piece of substantive evidence um, could be entered into the, the records, depending on where they go with the investigation. So you could so see some really embarrassing things. Oh, by the yeah, way, exactly. that's sweet. Oh, that's one yeah. thing. There's one thing for people who've never worked in these companies or with people and known people in these companies. A lot of fans, right, who are watching the show are going to make really silly assumptions like, well, they're not going to say something like that on a corporate email. You have no clue yes, what these environments well, yeah. are like. The whole reason we're saying this is like a frat boy environment is I've seen, listen, even in like small aspects, of these, you wouldn't believe how loose people get on fucking corporate email accounts because they never think to themselves this one day might be read but out in a fucking court of law. So people will get super fucking casual and colloquial what they're saying in those chats so I, it's not even that this is just going to be all it. You know, you have to get into some secret WhatsApp that only seven employees. Are doing. I'll, I'll bet there's email chains that have tons of this stuff. And that's the reason or why Slack they messages. Course, yeah. <laughs> people get really loosey goosey in, in some of those when they're massive companies. You know, especially surrounding something like BlizzCon. Or I mean, we all know that any of these conventions, most of the most of the networking events are just booze filled events so yes. you know, pair that you know drunk people slacking their coworkers that they already feel really comfortable being friendly sure. with yeah there's going to be some bad stuff in in writing whether it comes out is another thing but i hope it does we all hope it does uh, for our, for the, our own reading and also for the hopefully like bringing light on this because you know one of the things that was alleged in the in the riot uh, complaint was that you know there were email threads with like managers rating the attractiveness of their female coworkers or like uh, you know their subordinates and obviously like really messed up but that's an example of we never saw those documents so nobody can say that they definitively exist but. I, I think they probably exist. If I had to keep it with what you know about some of those people, exactly, you know. <laughs> I ever, t- I ever <laughs> tell you the story. Yeah, I ever tell you the story about um, someone had had like porn faked about them. Like it was like a fake. I mean, we're not even talking deep, deep fake fakes back no, in the no, day. Okay. Yeah, yeah, just like a, a, a fake porn, you know, like imposing heads or okay. whatever. And um, obviously, this was like passed on in internally. And instead of, you know, offering, I don't know, support or whatever for what must be a particularly jarring experience, they were all quickly assembled to decide whether or not it was real. So, I mean, you know, based on things they may or may not know, this is the this is the type of nonsense. I mean, like, you know, when you when you think about these companies, it's like. The worst part, and as we saw with like Ubisoft, and as I think we're seeing, you know, to a lesser degree with Activision Blizzard, the worst part is when you're a victim of this, every conventional piece of wisdom is you go to HR, yep. HR is going to investigate and support you. But unfortunately, at these companies, because of the cronyism and the nepotism and everything else that went on at its formulation, understand all of these companies are built on rotten foundations. Yes. Uh, then what happens is the HR are inherently corrupt as well. So yep. the, the 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 entity you turn to for support in a workplace then goes and tells the the boss the thing you said in confidence, and now yeah, and suddenly also, you're being penalized twice essentially for having yeah, the temerity to try and do something about it. And, and people are cowards. And you know, I will get into later in this show my experience of reporting sexual harassment that was very obvious and was experienced by many people 
at Activision Blizzard to numerous higher-ups and nothing being done about it. I'll get there. But right now, I think, because the Cosby suite was mentioned, and because this, this basically this story is probably the most compelling aspect of this complaint because we don't have details over the woman who allegedly killed herself as a result. So we'll touch on that really quick. So allegedly there was a woman um, who it seems was in a potential sexual relationship, or at least her superior desired the sexual relationship. She ended up killing herself. There was, uh, as part of this investigation, this this uh, superior allegedly, like on a business trip, had like sex toys and stuff like that. Allegedly, her picture, her nude photos were shared at like a Christmas party or something like that among employees, which was or one of or the defining factor in her decision to kill herself. It's all anonymous right now. And I noticed that Activision Blizzard really pushed back on that one uh, for obvious reasons, like being liable for that is huge, but made claims that uh, it was not related and that it was bringing pain to this woman's family. So we're kind of waiting to see more details on that one because it's super vague. But what isn't very vague right now and what has come out in numerous articles on Kotaku, um, I've I've actually had uh, Activision Blizzard uh, employees or people who were at these BlizzCons literally in this Cosby suite contact me and tell me their stories, um, which is interesting. But there's also, I will say about this issue, well, the whole thing was disgusting. We have to get out of the way because one of the things the Kotaku article said, which people volunteered to me that this had nothing to do, the Cosby suite name had nothing to do with the rape allegations against Bill Cosby. If you look at the timeline, this was occurring in 2013 and prior. Um, The major blow up for Bill Cosby happened in 2014. Yes, he had settled some of these cases earlier, but that was like in 2004. And what people told me was that the Cosby thing was, as Greg Street, who um, you know formerly worked on World of Warcraft, is now the head of the new Riot MMO, stated on Twitter that the Cosby suite was based off of this like stupid picture like that they had of Bill Cosby and that the it was something like the carpet or the decor of their room reminded them of a Bill Cosby sweater. Now, in retrospect, obviously this looks super bad to call it the Cosby suite when Cosby was later uh, you know, found guilty and then released on this technicality of having drugged and raped women. So that is just a truly I don't. Sounds like yeah, a reach listen, and a half, man. No, that's like a bad alibi. Th- no. th- that is that is somebody essentially like kind of like crafting the fucking little oh, the little escape rope to get out from where they are. There's absolutely no way. Put it this way: it was public knowledge in the year two thousand. There were allegations publicized in the year two thousand, and then. Uh, right, and and they were ran right the way up to two thousand and six. There were multiple magazines that published articles in two thousand and five, two thousand and six. I, I, I understand. I'm just telling There's you the information that was yeah, given to no me. Way. Some no of way. which by people who say they were sexually harassed under these circumstances. Okay. One like really strange fact here is okay. Let's take their story that the rug in the hotel room or comfort or whatever looked like a Bill Cosby sweater. Does that mean they checked into their room? Started talking about how this reminded them of Bill Cosby. Then they go to a Kinko's. 
print out this like giant poster, go buy a frame, frame it so they can bring it in. Like, and that it's the whole thing. It just, it just doesn't make any sense. The joke was I, also just whack. Like, ha, we're all having this hilarious meeting in this room because of the carpet, as opposed to we're all doing a really edgy fucking photo now because obviously this guy's implicated in sexual assault. What the fuck are we yeah. doing? Oh, it's edgy. Like, that's the problem. Is like it, it doesn't really add up. Like, it, listen, could well be true, but I'm just going to say, not really the people I want to hear shit story that from at the I, moment. I, <laughs> sure, sure. I'm just saying that there is ambiguity in the in the bill cosby timeline about this it didn't blow up until afterwards so we are either expecting that they were cheekily doing this secretly which could have been the case right um uh where they they were kind of like very weirdly celebrating sexual assault and rape um or you know they've got their own stories about this now what is definitively true is that we literally have chat logs now of some of these people, and these people include major leaders at Blizzard. So um, Alex Afrasiabi, who I have now been told stories about, uh, seems totally legit. He's one yeah, of the crazy only idea. Maybe just get the photo to include the carpet. <laughs> saying you know i'd probably have included the well, carpet here's, in the photo you know here, here's the other thing is it seems like, to be cut off in this image it's just an image of the fucking <laughs> thing of bill cosby you know here, here's the other thing Weird. is that, that uh, you know we could ask a lot of questions greg street who is inside this like cosby crew facebook chat claims that you know, claims that the, the women they're talking about were somebody's wife and friend, which is just weird in its own right. But also, he could release... This is how bad these the companies are. The rest this is of how bad these companies are. These are the excuses they come up with. This is like some of that shit, like I was saying to you, Richard, yesterday, like the whack angles where they can't, they can't resolve like a good fucking Poirot episode. So it's just someone like, yeah, well, then you killed her because we found your fingerprints. And they go, that's not true because I was wearing gloves. <laughs> That's like the level of these fucking alibis. They're they're just garbage. It's like, yeah. Well, how could we have known about the rape? We just did it because of the flaw. The, <laughs> the bombshell. All right, sick. Yeah, you so, you're out. You, you, you got. You get away scot free. You win. So here's what the Cosby Suite was. So if you haven't been to BlizzCon, um, and this was prior. By the time my first BlizzCon, I believe, was 2016 when I started working with Overwatch, and so this I never experienced any of this, um, yeah. but it was a suite that was at BlizzCon that was um, stayed in by this guy, Alex Afrasiabi, who was one of the lead designers on, he's the lead creative designer on World of Warcraft for many years. Now, inside this suite, they would put a bunch of alcohol and they would have parties, uh, um, you know, with senior people in very senior positions, and they would invite we have to say they would ask women to come here. And we've seen a lot of stories on Twitter. I've heard some stories privately, but basically um, it was used to, it, it was, it was used by the powerful to entice women for sexual reasons. It, it's it like a really shit version of eyes wide shot, but without any of the sort of, you know, class and fucking uh, high society, just fuckers from Blizzard. Yeah, except, except you turn up there and it's just 40 year old chuds. Yeah, yeah. For it's him. really lame. So guys, it's really lame and it's really gross. And also doesn't sound fun, but people thought they had to go because it was a network opportunity to get them okay. a Blizzard. And here's what se the senior management, they think it's a party. But what they don't realize oftentimes is that there is a power dynamic at play with them where uh, people feel like women especially feel like they have to go and kind of suffer through getting hit on, groped, who knows what else, um, in order to get ahead in the industry, which is really shitty way for these men to behave.
And it included some pretty big names. So we, we talked about Afra Siabi, who was at the time the creative lead of World of Warcraft. Dave Kosak is in this this Facebook chat called the Cosby Crew, BlizzCon Cosby Crew, uh, who used to work on Hearthstone. Jesse McCree. Crew, though, not Cosby Carpet Crew. No, I keep getting hung <laughs> up on it, Monty. I can't get past it, man. I can't get past how good the alibi is. Almost, it's almost not connected at all to reality. Just their shit story. I can't get past it, Monty. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Jesse McCree is currently the lead on Diablo 4. Four, uh, Greg he should be put in jail immediately just for that. So life sentence. I don't have a mobile phone. Life sentence for that one. Get him out. Uh, Greg Street uh, was one of the the chief designers on World of Warcraft, and then uh, later uh, is now the head of the MMO that Riot Games is working on. So there. Anyway, the point is there are a bunch of these people, and the conversation goes like this. So Dave Kosak in this chat says, "I am gathering hot chicks." With two X's, which is... Oh, had to be an X. Had to. Just because that's how hot they are, apparently. I know. I know. Keep going. Okay. For the cause. C-O-Z. Because uh, of the Frosty carpet, Hobbit. yeah. The cause of the carpet. Yeah, my bad. Keep going. Keep fucking going. I'll, I'll keep... I can't get off that now. That's like the one part. If this was in court, I'd, that'd be that whole cross-examination just about the carpet alone. Basically, that's how I'd crack it. The whole case is about the carpet. So, Afrasiabi Afra says, bring him. Corey Stockton says, Greg, reply... Uh, for Greg Street, you on the way. Kosak says, you can't marry all of them, Alex. Afrasiabi says, I can, I'm Middle Eastern, which is like, I mean, it's not part of the gender discrimination, but still very weird to say. Uh, McCree says, you misspelled right. fuck. So I don't know what other evidence you need to say that the intention they knew what they were trying to do, yeah, of course. <laughs> to bring women to this suite in order to have sex with them. At BlizzCon. Yeah, it's kind of weird, isn't it? How, all, despite it just being an, a very innocent reference to Bill Cosby's ugly sweaters, kind of in, uh, because a carpet looked like it, kind of incredible that there's this massive focus on plying women with alcohol and then having sex with them, something that Bill Cosby had been accused of for 13 years prior to the invention of the Cosby suite. I can't believe anyone's going to believe this, and frankly, it's actually embarrassing that that's, like, at least own your shit. I mean, I you know, like, well, like children lie when they're caught this red-handed. Oh, no, but what I did, what I've been doing, no, no, no. We all know why it was Bill Cosby, or Bill Crosby, as it says in the lawsuit. Um, <laughs> poor, poor Bing Crosby's kids oh, out there. Like, yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah, I never did anything. Um, but, like, seriously, the idea that there's a hotel room. I mean, what, why is there a single photo of the carpet, if that's the joke? Oh, why are exactly. there photos of stacks of alcohol and cups? Why is it that you're saying, I can fuck them all, me? Like, you know, well, what is... By the way, I, that I, would I, even I, be... I don't a, get it. I don't even get it. in a world where... You you did do it for the Cros for Cosby reason, but you noticed the carpet looked the same. If that had been in the photo, that's even then almost a half decent excuse. But the fact that there is no photo of the carpet is like, game over. You didn't even fucking get in the image. What you're claiming is the entire gag. What, you leave the carpet out? The whole fucking gag's the carpet! It's not no, just it's Bill Cosby, because we all know it is just Bill Cosby, isn't it? It's obvious. It's fucking... One thing I'll say about this is, though, another reason mm. why this will systemically happen for decades in this industry is because another little dirty secret that no one's admitting. Like, everyone's even acting in this chat like, oh, it's weird that they had this... They were having this event with them and they had this room, right? I heard a story years ago from a very famous author, I won't mention, who basically said, it's not at all weird that famous authors go to, like, book signings around the, the country when they do those tours and hook up with the women. He said that's essentially what those are for. 
war. They are literally aware that like a super like introverted book author guy who doesn't meet a lot of his fans can meet literally the women who want to sleep with him potentially or could be cajoled into it. And that is how they uh, essentially, it's like the industry sort of knows what they're doing when they put those people together and they put the tour together, right? One of the things I'm sick and tired of in this industry that people are going to pretend isn't real is why do you think they have events like BlizzCon? It ain't just to show off all the cool games that Blizzard's making. It's so that employees can meet and get up to these sort of stupid shenanigans. Things that have no place. This is supposed to be a profession. This is your job. Your private life has nothing to do with this. Like, you could meet up with any women you wanted from any company separately to that, but it all has to be within the constraints of this because the people we're talking about Again, it's the type of person who works for these companies. These are, by definition, the creepiest fucking people in the universe because they all have to pretend as part of the corporate culture that they are a totally legitimate 21st century person who understands all the like rights and right and, and comfort and all this aspect. But then behind the scenes, these are exactly the people you'd want to stay the fuck away from people like that. Like, they cannot be trusted. These are creepy ass people. Sure, but I want to, I want to divorce that like I, about the book tour part so one of the things you could say is like well there are you know rock musicians go and sleep with their fans or these authors go yeah, and sleep with you know yeah. so but but here's the difference here's the critical difference is when a when you go to a show and you want to hook up with a rock star you know exactly what you're doing and you're opting into that sure. experience. The problem with this is that this is a company event where women who work or who want to work for the company are in a power dynamic with leadership and they feel they have to, they're obligated to go yeah, to this social event. I would take that within... to the concept of the, uh, that's more like the Hollywood producer angle. That's also the vibe yes. I got from some of these. Uh, that's why yeah. I say it isn't just one guy in Riot doing it. It wasn't just one guy. But the, the implication was people who got to a certain, as you say, it's only middle management. That's how pathetic this industry is. People who got to that level, they would instantly start using the currency of their position. As you say, that basically they're going to give a job to someone. So their idea is, what can I get from it? It's like a fucking a transactionary way of fucking at things. No, there's definitely an element of that going on, of course. But it's also promotions for people who who work at Blizzard, yeah. right? They feel like, oh well, you yeah. know, I work, I don't get this opportunity to like have a private conversation with this yes. guy from the the, the other team and I want to move into that team or I want a promotion. So I'm going to go get drunk and maybe suffer some level of sexual harassment within this Cosby suite, which is obviously notice that it's closed off from the rest of, you know, the popular place to drink at BlizzCon is the Hilton bar, by the way, which Greg okay. Street mentions in that, in that chat. And they're saying, come up, this is like the secret, like bordello room that nobody can see and nobody knows what's going on in there. Right. Um, so that, I mean, my, my issue is that Unlike people who are opting into an ex an experience of like, I am going to this rock concert, I would like to sleep with the guitarist, and I am going to opt into that experience, right? This is not the same thing. This is tying up people's personal desires with work and feeling obligated to do it. So Krista, do you have any thoughts on yeah, this Yeah, I agree with that distinction thing? for sure. I, I agree with that distinction, absolutely. Uh, the book reading one or the concerts or whatever, I put that in just two compl a completely different category from this. BlizzCon Cosby suite dynamic. And just speaking from personal experience, there is, I would say, for probably every convention that I go to, and I, I go to BlizzCon and TwitchCon and a lot of these, I, I consider that part of my job because of all the work I do in the industry, like all of you. Um, there is always at least one event where I think, I don't want to go to this. I know what it's going to be. It's going to be a bunch of drunk guys. I know there's going to be some drunk guys that are inappropriate with me, but. I need to go to this because I need to network with these people. I need to be seen at this. I need to be talking to whoever. I need to be building that relationship. So it's it sucks. And 
I don't view that as me opting into, and I don't think you're saying this, Monty, but just to be clear, I don't think that is me opting in to be treated that way, but I think it no. goes to paint that picture of that dynamic of why women might go to this. And then we have the power dynamics that you outlined. And another piece of this, uh, you described it as like a secret bordello, which I think is actually super relevant to this because the Hilton bar, as we all know, is like one of the default places where, go, where you go to socialize during BlizzCon. You can just show up there and find people. Um, but if you are somebody who is trying to impress your boss, you want a promotion, your superiors on your team, people on a team that you want to join if you work for Blizzard are inviting you to what they're telling you is an even more exclusive party. Yep. You're going to say yes and go. Yes. Um, not knowing that there are, I don't know how many guys were in that picture, eight, ten guys that are going to be, you know, wingmanning for each other to try to help them all do whatever it is they want to do. I mean, you know, I, 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 I think this is like, I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about being like disenchanted and not wanting to go to these things. I stopped going to, to, to these things entirely because when you have a tendency, as I do, to kind of like lean into that big brother thing, like, you know, if I see people are getting really drunk, I stop drinking because I know I'm going to have to make sure people get to a hotel room. Or if I see a, uh, a guy that, like, we don't really know all that much and he's being a fucking lech and he's, like, talking someone's ear off, I'm the guy that'll lean in and go, hey, brother, how you doing? Come on, meet at a bar. Let's get some shots or whatever to get him away from that woman, you know? So, um, and, and it's, it, it's, it became so like the fucking norm. It, it like it isn't like you have one bad story or that. It's like every single gaming event were just these pathetic, and and all of them, by the way, are, are, are like middle tier managers in these development companies. So I mean, like in a way, I'll add we're all complicit to some degree, and I'll qualify that by saying we tolerate these absolute mediocre losers uh, because of their ties to their business. And so how it works and the reason it keeps happening and the reason it will keep happening is because we are kind of like 50s Hollywood in that sense, in that you have these, you know, first of all, it's a highly desirable industry that people want to work in. Young people who only know the internet and digital spaces really want to work in this environment and unfortunately the apparatus of the industry is those young impressionable people get fed to this cavalcade of grotesque middle managers who are all poised um to sort of take advantage because they know two things they know that these prospective future employees want to be a part of what they are but they also know that their life will be this is it this is their high point and so, you know, their life would be utterly mediocre if it wasn't for the control and power they could exert over these young, impressionable people. They're never going to be a Hollywood producer. They're never going to be a tech oligarch. But for five minutes, if they can bully a woman into giving them a back rub in overtime, they can feel like one in their minds. And I've seen dozens of these fucking degenerate assholes. And the, the reason they get away with it is because we know who they are. We know what they are. We can see them. But because they have the badge of I'm in Riot, I'm in Activision Blizzard, they come to our meetings, they come to our events, 
And there's always this threat that if at any point you call them out, there will be reprisals because esports and gaming is a petty and vindictive and spiteful industry. And so their mindset is, I represent Activision Blizzard. They don't make mistakes. I'm part of the winning team. If you critique me, it's an insult to them. And so when it's the biggest companies in the landscape, these people get away with that behavior. People will make excuses for that behavior, not because we tolerate the behavior in and of itself or we like these fucking losers like because they're not charismatic they think they are often but they're not we do it because we're scared of them going back to Activision Blizzard and saying don't sponsor that event don't give that person a tournament don't give that freelancer an opportunity and that is the crux of why it happens time and time again because this is an industry of scum and fucking cowards yeah, it's things to me. sell on that, by the way. One, actually, I wanted to tie into something earlier, but you're all making points on it, so I'll just wait till now. Basically, what I was trying to imply was this. I think that that is what the people who work for these companies think is happening. They think it's like the book tour signing. So what they yeah. would say in this scenario, Crystal, would be like, those girls knew what they were doing when they were at the party with us. That would be like their yeah. justification for... They They think, by the, by the way, I, I this is my read when I've seen some of the comments they've made and the justifications they've all made after the fact when they apologise. I think they imply that like oh the woman knows that like you know by having this drink with me and maybe we have something on the side that that's like a transactionary thing and i will then help i think they actually genuinely and are creepy enough they think that like it's justified in that way and then the other thing is this which is why i think by the way as an aside i don't personally think in general these massive companies you should have any sort of outside of the work relationship in that regard like i think if you just keep it off the table completely you avoid the majority of these problems you can't then claim but i couldn't know i thought i was just making advances like you don't have to have any of that if there's rules against it it's the reason why i was so against in tsm where the president was dating an active pro player i think i should i think to even allow that to start with is to beg for these problems to come into the space but, like then we're going to get in that gray area where who knows what was you chose to do what you did like you, i'd rather this wasn't that at all and then the other thing was the part that richard was saying there about um i think where was i going with this these what people the... perceive themselves the middle managers who wouldn't have opportunities oh, yeah that was it the other part was this this is what people don't get Notice how, and every person in this call, I don't know about you, Krista, but in our cases, we've literally had these exact game developers retaliate against us for calling them out on their shit. People aren't thinking this through. When you exist in a corporate culture where when anyone does anything to or about you, even if it is justified and you were in the wrong, you backlash a hundred times over, as in like, you know, we'd scorch the earth. What do you think the same person in that company does when a young woman exactly. rebuffs his uh, in, in, his advances or goes and tells a higher up, oh, you know, you made an inappropriate comment. They do the same thing. It's the same track record of beer. That's why one of the key details of this to me was that phrasing of retaliation. It wasn't just the idea that it was just men like abusing. It's the idea that if you were the one who actually went like, I'm not in with this, then they might do stuff like, right, you're never getting promoted and I'm going to tell my mate in the other office that you're shit at your job and I'm going to make sure the retaliation aspect there's the problem if you were another person in blizzard how would you know that that was for that case because you're all doing it fucking anyway so when you allow that behavior to become de facto people could use the exact same tool to destroy someone for something that's wholly inappropriate anyway yeah even if you're not the woman in that situation who's actively rebuffing some advances if you're the woman who decides not to go to that party in the cosby suite because you know what it's going to be about that can be used against you oh she didn't yep. show up give her opportunities to get to know us she's not yep. part of the team like why would we consider her Yes. 
Yeah, and I think what's so crazy is that these guys are so clueless that they don't even understand their duty as leaders, right? They don't understand the power dynamic. And I think, Thorne, what you're saying is true, that probably like their opinion is that, oh, we're we're just friendly people who want to have a social interaction. They don't see themselves as – like they don't understand the power dynamic that is causing these women to interact with them under these circumstances because they are socially fucking clueless. And I think we yes. – this is, this is where we can bridge into the cultural aspect because there's a, there's a tactic that all of these game companies use, which is that they are effectively cults. Riot is a cult. Blizzard is cold. I can tell you I have worked in these environments. And there are very specific reasons why they do this. Most of the time, it's to retain employees, which is the same thing a cult does, by the way, to retain followers. And it's to exploit people and to abuse their work ethic because it keeps you trapped in. And what I mean by their cult is they're a specific company culture. You might ask yourself, why do these companies, like, why do they have all these outings that are paid for by the company? Why do they have all these social events? Why, why do they have cafeterias that are inside the campuses? And I can tell you from working with people at these companies that their entire world is Riot. Their entire world is Blizzard. Um, they work they make out it like a lifestyle, don't they? It's, it's like a lifestyle. They, lifestyle they, yeah. they, you, you never leave during the day. You go to, you go to the cafeteria, you go eat there, you date people at the company, which by the way, one of the reasons why all of this weirdness happens is because if you're Activision Blizzard and only 20% of your workforce is female, there's a lot of competition for women. Like, and people are going to do weird shit because there are very few, like, dateable employees. But why do all of the employees of these companies end up in relationships with each other constantly? Exactly. I've yep. never seen that to the same degree anywhere else in any other industry where it's like, it's incredibly incestuous. Yes. And so, but, but, but here's the thing, guys. By the time that they own your entire existence, by the time that you're not leaving campus uh, every day and you have all these benefits and you're working out there and, and you're taking classes, like they offer classes, um, you know, or, and these are all touted as huge benefits or you're, you're doing these like after work gatherings or they offer social engagements. You know, we have a D and D group and we're going to play at the office after work. Like the problem is, is that once you get in deep, just like with a cult, it's impossible to get out because if you leave you lose your entire social network because it has been built for you by the company. And so they, and then also you're, here's the lines they feed you and they do this at major development. Oh, this is such a special job that you have. You know, you're so lucky to be here. This is, we, we have an inclusive environment, even though that's clearly not true at any of these companies, but they say it over and over and over again. So you believe it's true. And so they gaslight you and you say, well, why am I suffering? If you're a woman, why am I suffering this sexual harassment? You know, we're a progressive company. I'm so lucky to work here. It must not be serious. Yeah. And that's what happens. You and know, so, those are all lines that people in toxic relationships say to people, like, you know, no yes, one else would love you except me, you know, <laughs> yeah, all that shit, of course, yeah. <laughs> and, and, so, and so so to me, like, the, the primary problem here, and, and to go back to why this won't change, is because the companies themselves create an atmosphere that is a, a that can be abused by yes. abusive people. And I'm not saying it's all bad. You know, there's a lot of creativity that happens. You know, if you get people together outside, well, maybe, you know, they, they strike on something while they're participating in another activity, but it is incredibly likely to be abused. And it is exactly the same tactics that cults use. Exactly. This is the cult playbook. And 
you're opting into it. And also what this does is it creates retaliations from the company where, you know, somebody somebody outside the company said, hey, man, this company's kind of messed up what they're doing. And everybody's like, no, we're great. And even if you are being abused, you can lash out at people who are trying to expose, yes. you know, shed the light on it. So, I mean, I find I personally, I have never been interested in these company cultures. Like, I didn't participate in anything really on Blizzard's or Riot's campuses at any point in time. Uh, I was never in my entire esports career. I'm married to somebody from esports, but she is the only person I have ever fan employee of these companies been in any kind of relationship, even one minute of, you know, some sort of hookup or anything never happened. But these people engage in this con this culture, this very incestuous culture the entire time. And it's weird, guys. It's super weird. No, so, I mean, I, I think the culture itself is is an enormous problem. And what the companies think is like, this is bringing our employees together. And they also do it because it justifies them paying people less money. Because yes. if people are, if people oh. are saying, well, I got all these benefits. Now, do the do the dollar value of those benefits, is, is, is that really the difference between what you would make in your position versus working, you know, as a, as a programmer, working at a video game company versus working at... Google or, you know, uh, another software development company. No, like the difference of if people way, do it for the lifestyle, but the lifestyle is abusive. <laughs> so, well, another I, thing I don't would give a say, fuck if it's a ping pong table, like pay me more money. <laughs> exactly. Like, or, or if you're going to provide all these benefits, like also make sure you're putting resources towards making sure that they're done in a way that creates safe company culture. Which yeah, another thing I actually think that's really messed up in this scenario as well is if you work for these companies, you've got to stop being the useless idiot shock troop when the initial uh, allegations come out. Like, I don't want to hear this shit story I've had to heard in the esports industry for the last 20 years, which goes like this. Oh, wow, something incredibly uh, horrific has been done by someone who I'm not around all the time and therefore could never find out. But I've had some beers with him. Seems like a cool guy. What the fuck relevance would that be? But that's what you all do for the companies you work for. Until yep. it gets really, really big and it's like you can't avoid Avoid the sheer momentum of it and bury your head anymore. People will just say stupid shit. Like I can vouch for him. It's like someone they barely even know in the company. Like they met them two times at a BlizzCon or something, you know, or they just saw him in the office and he seems cool. Well, I don't know I if you've never seen documentaries, but every single documentary about serial killers goes like this. The neighbor goes, I never, it always seemed like a quiet guy just came out for his milk. It's like, yeah, because in the time he took him and stepped down and get the milk, he didn't go, by the way, I'm going to kill loads of women. Like, you know, you're not going to find that out. So <laughs> stop being the idiot shot troop that tries to sort of like sanitize these stories if it isn't to do with you or someone in your group that you can vouch for just fucking hands off because I, I, people people end up playing it running interference for super creepy people they don't know how dangerous they are i think the worst example isn't necessarily that guy although there's a ton of those uh it's the one that leaves the company and then says the born yeah, again one. Yeah. <laughs> not a not a surprise to me. I yes. just wish I could have done more. I think one of the worst things about this, and like the, yes, people I have agree. no concept of optics, uh, evidently. I have seen so many people go, known about this for years. Glad it's finally out on social media. Why the fuck did you not say anything? Yes. Like, th th that is mind-blowing to me that you would feel comfortable publicly saying it. Yeah, I knew there was all these atrocities being committed, didn't mention it, didn't do anything about it, but now that there's a lawsuit and we can all talk about it publicly. I mean, one of the things I'll get into in a second when uh, we, we, we sort of move forward is, you know, I want to talk about 
the journalists and how fucking derelict they've been oh, yep. in every singular instance that this has occurred. But for me, I just think like it's one thing to be afraid because you're under the yoke, so you can't talk about it publicly. No yes. one would condemn you for that. But if you're somebody who's in a position of power, authority, left the company, you know, which is another reason why these never-ending NDAs are fucking insidious, guys. And uh, uh, all due respect, Krista, I'm sick and tired of lawyers telling me it's perfectly normal to have a fucking non-disparagement clause that lasts for five years after I leave a company. Not on my fucking watch, but anyway, well, whatever. Well, here's, here's Richard. Hilariously, I didn't have one in my Overwatch League contract, which is why I can say a bunch of the stuff that I'm saying, because they were Just incredibly as well, eh? They were incredibly Incredibly stupid. Well. It didn't put one in. <laughs> um, I mean, there wasn't one person on their legal team that was like, "This is Monty. We should probably at least a one-year end, not a strange one-year." It's you know, it's crazy, isn't it? But yeah, I, but you know, circle, I want to circle back on something you said, Rich, which is um, all these people that are coming out to say, "Look, I've known about this for the last however many years. I'm so glad it's coming out." Like, agree, it's totally fucked up. Like, I'm glad people are speaking out, and it feels good to watch people pile on to Activision and Blizzard, but. It's it's fucked up that people will admit they've known something for so long, didn't do anything about it, but are doing so now for the social media points. Oh, and they yeah. feel like it gives them some more credibility or somehow yes. places them above everybody else that's upset by saying, like, well, I I knew this first. Like it's basically like I I was a fan of the, this band like, before it was cool. It's, it's like, like sexual harassment hipsters. It's weird. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That is what it is. <laughs> so, and, and I'll, I'll give an explanation here that I've made. I made this point on a past episode about people who work in the industry. So very quickly, one of the other areas, just like what I was just describing, that I get annoyed, is when people who work as talent, like commentators, analysts, if you are not at a tournament and you criticize the tournament, they sometimes do the same thing. They'll think, but I'm at the tournament. The tournament's success is kind of my success right now. And they'll defend the tournament organizer. I always tell them, no, it's the other way around. While you're at the event, we get why you can't call them out. So here's what you do. You feed us the info privately that is fucked up about the event and we can publicize it. You still get to work there. That's why it doesn't work when these people come forwards, either journalists or even worse, people who were in the companies and they go, well, I knew all about this. There's a million people you could have secretly leaked that to, which would never have any blowback to you, but actually people could qualitatively have helped some of the people in these stories. But they didn't, and so as we're pointing out here, you're actually the worst person in all of this, because you knew what was going on, you did nothing about it, which, by the way, implies you are on some level tacitly fine with it. You're just fine with working for companies like that. Even if you did a one-day walkout, that doesn't, believe it or not, wash you dry of all your sins. But then even worse, you didn't even attempt to like put the info out there. So what you did is you were just a fucking black hole the info went into and never escaped out of like it's so easy to just give a tip like richard has fucking yeah, anonymous ways you can even contact him yeah exactly and and, and here's the, here's my problem and and like to go into into what's been going on so like greg street is a great example because he's been tweeting a lot about this because he obviously is concerned about his job at riot given that Riot is in a place right now where they have basically can only have a zero tolerance policy because awesome. and here's the reason why they didn't take any action on their sexual harassment. They didn't fire anybody. So now they just have to be on like a hair trigger, right? Because they didn't do anything. And then, you know, he's he's coming from literally screenshots of him being in these conversations. And even if he did nothing, the thing, here's the thing about courage, guys, where he says, oh, I would definitely do something now. That's not courage. When When everyone agrees with you, it's super easy to do the right thing. When you are in the chat and there are, People saying, bring the hot chicks to the Cosby suite so we can fuck them all is the implication. And you say, and do nothing. 
That isn't courage. So the thing about Greg, the thing about courage and, and you being a coward is that when the it's easy to say what you're saying now, but what's the next hard thing to say? I don't have any faith that you are going to, to do the hard thing because you have shown no spine in the past. And so even if you did nothing, you obviously, uh, and I assume he would say, well, I reported this to HR, or here's some other chat logs that prove that I said something in response to this. He would produce those at this point in time, had he done something. But there isn't tangible evidence. And here's, here's a concept from the military guys. So there's a thing called stolen valor in the military, which is extremely serious. It is, in fact, a, cr a federal crime to say basically that I received this military decoration for being in combat or for other things and to use it to burnish your reputation, to get money, uh, to get jobs. It is illegal. And what I want you guys to understand is that what we are seeing right now is the effectively stolen valor in these social media posts, because these people have never taken an action. And now they're saying like, oh, but I'm the person who would take an action or like, there's no proof, guys. You need to go follow the people who are actually standing up, who are taking risk onto themselves. Because the concept of stolen valor is that somebody took a risk to themselves in order to receive this honor. And you guys just go ahead and you believe everything you hear on social media and you say, this person is honorable. But there's never any evidence or any actions that they have ever taken to win that honor. They are just saying the thing you want to hear. So By the instead, way, oh, sorry, go on. But I'm just saying, instead of just believing that, why don't you look at the people who did things and say, these people deserve our respect and they deserve the honor in this situation? Like one thing I'll say as well that I find ridiculous is I don't ever want to hear that sort of sob story of like, oh, I knew about it. You know, we couldn't do anything, but I'm glad it's out now. I don't ever want to hear that if you were like a really key game designer or middle management executive, because guess what? It's your friends that did it all. Like you almost certainly, as we've just described, we're in the social settings where you were around all these people. And most of them probably are literally your real friends in real life. Because as we pointed out, these companies blur the bounds between professional life and then going home like it's just it's just all work so as a result like you, you was a reason you didn't speak out about it and you didn't do anything about it and it isn't just that you were scared for yourself it's that you'd actually have to start calling out by name in certain cases real friends of yours because I've, I've seen a lot of people like the worst ones are the riot ones monty because i've been to parties where i've seen those fuckers sat next to the other guy having a beer but then later they're like pretending like oh and I've, i heard there were people like that in the company it's like it's your mate it's literally your friend. What are you talking about? Like, if you cared about this, you would do something about it. You're actually telling us now to expressly not have to do anything about it. This is this is the doing something about it. The tweet is the fucking story. That's the joke to these people. The tweet should be the beginning of the story. Now I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Or I wish I'd done this once. They, they don't, there's no, notice there's never a course of action attached to it. It's almost like, damn it. Well, on the next one, I'll be sure to speak up. It's like, how many do you need, mate? How many like, chances so, to be a good person do you it, need? <laughs> it's like storming the beaches of Normandy like 10 Stop years later. Fucker. You need to have a buff like a fucking <laughs> two or batting rating. Like you've got to go you know, swing for some of these motherfuckers. You're just letting them all go. I don't know enough about baseball to finish the analogy there. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I, Krista, what's your reaction to seeing some of these, some of these like posts on social media, these, these people's claims? Yeah. Um, I, honestly, really similar to what Thorne just described. I will say I'm impressed that Greg Street keeps talking about this. Like, I think that's could, incredibly stupid of him. <laughs> he, okay. could, he could so easily just say absolutely nothing. So 
I do get the sense that there is some remorse there. I don't think that his apology now, I don't know, eight years later, I can't remember what year it was, 2013. Um, I don't think that's sufficient, but I appreciate that he's at least kind of trying to acknowledge sort of maybe he's remorseful. I don't necessarily believe he's going to be better in the future, but I've been more impressed from his response than the rest. Um, but that's a super, sure. super low bar. Um, but well, most of the people also, aren't going to say anything because they, they yeah. could be in danger of serious legal action. Yeah, in danger of serious legal action. If they're smart, they've hired a PR person or consulted with a PR person, maybe even a lawyer in case they're afraid about whether they're going to have personal liability. And if they have any lawyer, the lawyer is going to tell them not to say anything, most likely, and they're probably listening. They also want to hopefully fade into the background and hope that this blows over and they don't get in trouble in the future. Um, so even though I'm like, again, sort of impressed he's saying something, to your point, maybe it is stupid. It's just such a such a low bar to impress me when I'm comparing what he's doing to what everyone else is doing. But it's all just bullshit. I mean, they're it's damage control. That's it, plain and simple. Well, well he's here, obviously here's, afraid here. of losing his job at Riot. Yeah, which is probably legitimate. Um, and like my my response is Greg, like produce the receipts, go to an investigative journalist and dump the info. Like yes. here's here's what's mind boggling <laughs> to me. If you want to be an ally now. Dump the info, give it to somebody, you know, it, Greg, exonerate yourself. And maybe he is, I don't know. But like, there, there are opportunities here. It's not too late to do the right thing. It's not too late to bring this to the public. It's not too late to bring it to the government and help with the investigation if you have this information. I'm also, by the way, really done with the optics in these cases. Like, I hate the idea that I'm here. Like, you see high-level riot people. Like, we're very sorry for your suffering, and we apologize. Um, get my lawyer on the phone. Uh, sabotage their case and make sure the arbitration is utterly fucked. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, and the way that we treated you was really unacceptable. Like, uh, it, none of it's coming out, right? Yeah, good. Uh, kill the story as well and remove all press passes for anyone who voted. Like, they're just, it's so fucking transparent. Like, yeah. Richard, the, what kills me in general in esports is, people never actually listen to the behind the scenes reporting until these stories come out like Richard reported on this last year with the whole neon thing with LEC right the key takeaway from that story that everyone has missed so I'm going to repeat it for the millionth time was that after the fact after all of the public backlash about working with neon literal commentators and head talent saying I will quit my job if you do this it was communicated from Riot Global to the LEC people the deal itself was fine it's just the messaging that we didn't like so essentially what they said in their internal communications as reported by richard here and i would trust his credibility is we don't actually apologize for any of this we're just sorry that we didn't like get to trick you with marketing the right way if you get that that's the takeaway message you will know who these companies are like that's why i, I have a hard time believing a lot of these stories that they're really sorry about it because they say the same thing every single time the second they're caught they turn around and they go publicly it's pure mea culpa like oh it's all our fault yeah and you know what even if it wasn't me directly i should have been a better man and should have made a culture but then behind the scenes what actions do they take the actions always super cynical corporate culture of like just crush all dissent give them as little as possible give them no that's not the way you would actually behave if you really believed you were going to be a better person you were going to make up for things etc you wouldn't say i'll already pay what the courts can get out of me you better squeeze blood out of a stone like that's that is not the actions that suggest you were really remorseful is it yeah they aren't, they aren't real apologies either like a lot of the apologies no. we see are i'm sorry you were hurt oh i'm sorry to hear that this happened to you i'm sorry you felt that way even the ones that kind of say it's not accept that say it's not acceptable that you were treated this way, 
That's not an apology. An apology requires assuming accountability, recognizing your part in it, and then making a commitment to take actions to make it better in the future. It's just, it's all very superficial. Well, I mean, you only have to look at how they handled it initially when it was blowing up, and that was that their their Activision Blizzard's initial response. They didn't know how to play it, uh, and 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 this was interesting because I think you saw management like you know uh, uh, J. Allen Brack, who was directly implicated in some of this because you know he's on a stage at a clip that's circulating around, knows these guys very well. Um, he did a, an email internally saying like guys is completely unacceptable it's not who we are it's not what we stand for uh if anybody's been the victim of anything like this tell us now privately there will be no like reprisals meanwhile people even above his pay grade so you know you're talking bobby kotick their initial uh plan was to go on the attack and this is how you ended up with um uh francis townsend is this the guy just a character of House of Cards? What's that like? And now we well, go on the attack. Like, yeah, oh, no, Bobby, right. whoa, whoa, put the battle stations down. What? There was an internal memo from uh, the, the executive vice president, Francis Townsend, that said the alleg- uh, said that basically the allegations uh, were based on false information. It was out of date. Um, I think that's what Krista was referring to as well. There was another right. public statement that come out that said, actually, that suicide thing is nothing to do with this. But they also said, won't you think about how hard this makes it to have jobs in the state of California and stuff like this? It's like, Guys, I don't know how. Please think about the giant game. Someone think of the Californian corporations. (laughs) So, so, uh, and so, Bobby Kotick came out. I think it was uh, yesterday, and basically said, "Yeah, our initial response was torn deaf." The bottom line is right. They are a company with more money than God, so they get to keep going and going and going. You know, on the headline, whoever phrased the headline, it was genius. Because the headline you're talking about, where it was like, Bobby Kotek apologizes for being torn deaf. Then the sentence continued, like, as stock prices plummet. I was like, whoever wrote that, it's like, yeah. that's so well done. Like, they have, like, it's subtly implied. No, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you in on a secret, by the way, guys. The, the, the stock price... The stock value, rather, it bounces back in a week. Negative headlines only temporary oh, yeah. influence these things. And do you know how I know that? Because Activision Blizzard have had nothing but negative headlines for approximately two years, and they hit record highs. You know, they even did the great fucking bait and switch. Bobby Kotick was being yes. paid too much. That was what people said. So they had a meeting, and they said, right, we're going to cut Bobby Kotick's uh, wages in half. We all agree with that. That was all accepted, goes, and then they have another meeting, and they go, oh, we'll pay him $155 million. Oh, say I, And they go, yeah, of course, yeah, we'll do that. So, I mean, look, how Bobby Kotick just keeps riding over and over again when he is the leader that has presided over all of these negative headlines. You know, we're talking potentially a minimum of 10 years of sexual discrimination and problems like that. This guy... You know, just because he keeps delivering on the share price because of his vision, which is, hey, let's maybe make two Call of Duties this year, they he gets away with it. He should be the first fucker out the door. This is another reason why these walkouts, I, I don't know what Krista thinks about this. I'm a little bit, con- uh, you know, I'm back and forth on the walkouts because I want to know what you're achieving. Taking one day off work to go stand out and hold a placard and do some media stuff. All right, fair enough. You're raising awareness. Yeah, you feel very strongly about it. How about a fucking strike until Kotick is fucking gone? What about that? 
Like, let's actually get some appreciable end product to this. This is a fucking outrage. And if you're outraged by it, you don't just go back to work the next day. Something has got to realistically change. And it can't just be the naked Bobby Kotick in front of the fire on the rug apology from South Park. It has to be something meaningful. So I don't know if you agree with that. I, I, I get super frustrated when I see these one-day walkouts yeah. and limited reactions to what are atrocities that should require whole spread change in a company. Super um, disturbing and distracting visual of Bobby there in front of the fireplace. Um, I agree with Haunts you, my it's, dreams, uh, too. <laughs> I, I support... I. I, of course, support the people that walked out. I think that's great. It's a show of objection using the voice that they do have in the company. Some coworkers showing support for their other coworkers that were directly impacted by a lot of this stuff. But if we want to actually make meaningful change, like the change that you're talking about, for example, Bobby losing his job, which I'm a pessimist, maybe. I'm really jaded about all this shit. I think that that's probably super likely, but it would be good. I agree with you. But if they want to make meaningful change that leads to something even close to that, money talks. You have to affect the company's productivity significantly. You have to affect the company's, you know, the stock price significantly for a long period of time. That's really the only type of action that is going to make meaningful change that leads to the toppling of people in leadership, short of maybe this investigation that Activision Blizzard is doing now with this law firm they hired, maybe identifying a couple people as scapegoats and recommending that they be fired. Um, so I, I think it was, it was great they decided to do the one-day walkout. Um, it amped up publicity even more, which is good, but we got to escalate if we want to actually continue with this momentum and make a real meaningful change. And, you know, it's, it's easier said than done, too, um, but it's clear from all the conversations we've even had so far on this call, you need to be willing to spend whatever capital you have, social capital, maybe professional capital, if you want to actually try to make a change. And part of that is taking a risk, like maybe even a broader walkout, maybe even a strike. Another thing as well, that, I, that even though I, this is not going to be something that has a solution, it's just complaining about things that exist and making observations, but whatever, that is part of the point of these discussions. One thing I'll say that also really makes this have a really disgusting taste to it is that there's two factors at play simultaneously with all the ambience of these stories. One goes like this. The same fucking fans who, if one person in this call had done one one hundredth of the things being alleged by these companies and these people who work for these companies, would literally be persona non grata for the rest of their career. It would be brought up every time they are mentioned, every time they publish a piece of content, every time they are mentioned with someone else in a conversation, someone would go, isn't that that guy who did X, Y, and Z, right? Not only do fans hold individuals to that standard, but then look at companies made up of the same individuals and go... Ah, oh, whatever, I like the game, so I'm going to keep going with it. Like, there's never any accountability in that sense. Like, let's be real. People are here because they play and enjoy the game. They might pretend after the fact they do it also for these social reasons and because of this thing. But really, as long as the game's still good and as long as there's good matches to watch, they will literally, they've shown, including, by the way, technically some of us have, but the fact we work in the industry still, they've shown they'll just basically put up with any old shite from these companies. And then the second thing, and this is a minor detail, but to me, it always really, really leaves a bit of taste in my mouth. It tends to be with no eye 
irony, literally the people in these companies, in these positions, literally these people getting accused, who are the ones out there trying to turn a mountain, a fucking molehill into a mountain over everyone else's sins in the industry and things they've said in a joke or things they might have done once. These same fuckers are the ones who have the darkest secrets at home. So the idea that like, Companies like Blizzard and Riot have spent the last decade telling all of us that we are fucking unclean wretches who they will rehabilitate into, like, reasonable human beings and culture. Meanwhile, they were doing all this shit privately. The Catholic and Church, yeah. it, It's the same fucking vibe, isn't it? That's the problem. So, like I say, it's, it is just basically, like, shouting into the darkness. But it's one of those things where if you're a fan, you just seem feckless when you get super mad over a mild joke from your favourite streamer. But then you'll turn around... In, as someone who claims to care about these issues and a company could do anything they want mate. they could do any sort of like abuse in the third world they can potentially partner with people who are murdering people they can steal money they can do a scam coin and pump and dump on you all they can do any of these things as long as it's a company and not an individual i just think it's so feckless yeah and and look i mean that brings me to the bit that i also wanted to talk about on on the show and i'm uh about the uh state of the journalists that have essentially um provided covering fire for these big companies for years I i'm not even gonna go down the rabbit hole of when you start looking at some of the um uh relationships between some of the journalists and you know their relationship clearly closer than just professional relationships well right? i mean in the same way you know you can all have a good laugh about cnn journalists being like i'm at michael avenatti's house yes I don't know where yes. he gets all the money from true uh you know you 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 can go and find i've i've got them all you can find all these journalists that were routinely having dinner with rioters and some yeah. even went to work at the company and you know uh you gave the game a good review that was your pathway in um and so you know look the 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 problem we've got is that we've got we've had a, a, a journalistic outlet or outlets I should say rather that have been completely derelict in their duty and have provided covering fire for these guys because they've been constantly giving alley oops to these big companies for access to their product their games which gives them content which gives them clicks and by that I mean I'm seeing a lot of talk and and this is probably where I'm going to rankle everybody here about how this is like some sort of what the Activision Blizzard middle managers are doing is somehow endemic of like gaming culture. It's what all gamers would do if they ever ascended oh, to, be in a to be in a position of influence. Certainly not true in my experience. Um, but the but the rea but the reality is what the journalists have focused on for the six years isn't what's this executive doing? What's this company policy? What's this middle tier manager doing? I've had people come to me and show me they have DM'd other journalists things that have happened to them while they've been working at these companies and the journalists have ignored them, not even given them the courtesy of a reply. And then these journalists come out and they go, ah, I just couldn't get it over the line, guy. Stop being angry with me. But forget that for a second. I understand as a journalist myself, you can have two or three or four people coming forward telling you stuff. Might not be solid enough to publish, especially when we're talking about reputations. Um, you don't want to destroy someone unjustly because of a conspiratorial aspect that you're unaware of or, you know, embellishments that you can't quite pin yes. down and, and find out the truth of 
But what these journalists have done isn't just ignore the big elephant in the room, which is these companies are cults, and like all cults, they want to control women for the purposes of sex and other gratification, just to feel good about themselves in some instance. Sometimes there's not even a sexual aspect to it. It's just about having dominion over somebody yeah, else. Power. So yeah. you yeah, power and control, the the biggest, you know, fucking drug of all, right? So, but what they've also done is they provided the alley oop of going game culture bad gamers are bad players are bad this guy typed this thing one time look at this yes, streamer look at this personality yeah. we found these old tweets yeah. from a time when something when edgy jokes were more culturally accepted than they are now this person shouldn't be allowed to have yes. a job now and every moment a journalist spends on that it is the fucking machine gun covering fire that lets these monsters get away with it and what they also will very often do much like how child killers will go and give an interview to the press going oh she was a lovely little girl and you'll find out after the fact that they fucking did it these assholes will be talking about going yeah it is terrible, isn't it? And that person shouldn't have a job. And so what you have to ask yourself is, how can this have gone on for so long, so often, and not one fucking games journalist has actually been able to do the expose? This is why I credit the ones that do, because I'll tell you, Cecilia D'Anastasia, she'll never be welcome to Riot again. She'll never get access with Riot ever again. She will be blacklisted and blackballed. She took awesome. a huge risk to her profession to to run that story think of all the times i've been blackballed blacklisted riot games stopped me working a starcraft event right that's the level of reach that they have they don't even have anything to do with that game nor the company that was hosting that event these people will go to the ends of the earth to fuck with you but that's no excuse for journalists to just allow this to go on and be like better not take that story on because you know we want to get footage of the next Diablo. We want to get an yeah, early yeah. review copy of Overwatch 2. That cannot be the fucking payoff for people's lives being ruined, but these journalists make that decision all of the time while serving up easy fucking, you know, targets to the internet in the place of the real monsters. And, and, uh, there needs to be a crucible on games journalism at some point. Yeah, and Richard, you'll notice the reporters only came out after the complaint was filed, in which case they wouldn't be punished exactly. by these companies. You know, here's an example for you. So G4 TV is coming back right now, right? They haven't, as far as I am aware, I'm looking at their YouTube channel right now, they have not made anything, any content on this. And so you ask yourself, well, that's that's super weird, don't you think? Like G four, you know, talking about video game culture would be making because they were trying to do it. a lot of topical content, weren't they? Like hitting sure. hot button things. Yeah. yeah. So Great. turns out, guess who owns G four? NBC. Guess who owns NBC? Comcast. Guess what Comcast own? Oh, they own the Philadelphia Fusion, who are an Overwatch League team, and they are in a business relationship with Activision Blizzard. Yes, who owns them? John Illuminati. Exactly. <laughs> oh, you get the point. But, 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 I, you know, to, to Richard's I love point, him. he's great. To, to Richard's point, what you know, it's hard because I think all of us here are very jaded by the esports and, and the video game it's industry. Just that money, just a little bit. Like it's incredibly frustrating because what what ends up happening, guys, is that. There are people here who have skin in the game, who have put themselves on the line for various injustices within this space. And what ends up happening is we get attacked over bullshit. 
And you guys are just going along with the PR line that these companies are saying, or that the news outlets are saying, and the news outlets have conflicts of interest that prevent yes. them from being honest or doing investigative journalism on these topics. They, I'll even they throw in as well, by the way. PR wall for the developers that are creating these abuses. Right. Think about how terrible the actual industry that we're working in is now. Because I always make this one caveat, right? Which is if you're someone who doesn't speak on any social or political issues, you really are a person who comes along, you're a gamer, you clock in, you watch the game, you play the game, you write about the game, you go to sleep. We don't know anything about you beyond that. If you choose not to speak on those topics, I can't know which one you're a hypocrite about. So you're actually home clear. Listen, whether you want to live that way, it's up to you. But if you do that... I don't have a big problem with you. You can just stay silent and everything. My problem is this. We live in an industry where everyone performatively pretends that they are like on the cutting edge of every major story. And they are like the opposite of what, what you were talking about there, Richard. Like they're the, they are super oppressed and in danger. And because they're speaking out, it's such a brave thing that they're doing. And so stunning that they would dare address these things. But then when things actually happen that are real, that have consequences, like your friend who works in middle management might actually be sexually harassing someone. You have nothing to say. You have nothing to do. When it turns out a company literally is banning a player because he spoke out about a political issue involving a the country which the developer is owned by, nothing to say about that. Nothing to do about that. Like These people are just showing that they're actually frauds. And the worst thing is, that is the new trend in the industry. It's on the one hand to flex that you're a really caring person and then all your actions to show the exact opposite. Even though, by the way, like I say, it's not a losing position if you really are someone who's never going to take any hits. Like Monty says, don't steal the fella. Just fucking chill in your little zone and say nothing. If you do that, at least there's less bullshit signal noise that we're in an industry of people who really care deeply about these issues. Because as the Blizzard Chong thing showed, as the the fucking all these these sexual harassment things no one really does anything about it like the best case scenario is they call it out there's another thing you know calling stuff out doesn't actually affect reality much right it's just like someone gets aware of it and if they then choose to not do anything it becomes like that shit ice bucket challenge where about a million people threw water on themselves and as far as i can tell no one actually gave any fucking money to the thing that was the alzheimer's charity like you know what i mean like they've got a bunch of twitter followers though it becomes a stupid scenario like that where it's like, I mean, we all sort of lost the point of what we were doing here. Yeah, and T actually your reference to Blitztrung is a really interesting one because obviously there was a ton of outcry when that happened, but I mean, what happened since? Blizzard shortened his suspension yeah. like six months, a few days after, and then now it's just a distant memory. Um, yeah, well, they also so didn't acknowledge it. didn't do much. It reminds yeah, I mean, me of the ones, yeah. you know, where Twitch has banned people before, where they thought they said the person said a slur, and then they admit later, oh, yeah, we reviewed it, we're wrong, so we've just halved his ban. And you're like, pause, that doesn't make any sense, why is he banned at all? Like, no, it's the same thing, like, the very action that, like, oh, we just reduced his ban, well, that's unfair, it's, it's still an injustice, like, why, why are we all cool with that? Why is everyone in the industry like, all right, back to work, everyone, they've just only been half unfair. All right, what? And by the way, they definitely low-key behind the scenes seem to have silenced a bunch of people on that topic. There's a lot of people that said nothing about that topic, you know. Just a wider yeah. industry problem. Well, so, I mean, it's a, it's also a, it's also a people problem because uh, you know, I mean, to uh, to to Krista's point on the uh, on the Blitzchung aftermath, I mean. You know, everyone was like, "Yeah, actually, this goes beyond it." You know, we've got to, we've got to stop China passing that law that's going to allow them to be able to extradite, you know, people from Hong Kong and all. And, and now, of course, not only did that law pass, 
they also subsequently passed another law that means that you have to like if you're from hong kong you have to pledge allegiance to china if you want to serve in local government oh and by the way the only hong kong owned uh, uh newspaper uh was routinely shut down by the chinese government and they've arrested nine of the journalists and editors that work there and no doubt they're gonna go to the gulag and be stitching shirts with all the uyghur muslims that you're not allowed to mention if you work for the nba so i mean look at the end of the day i, I might give gamers a pass for being fucking fickle because humanity fucking stinks that's the end of this episode of Humanity <laughs> Fucking Stinks. Uh, tune in next week. We'll have more great content for you. <laughs> so I, I do I do want to talk about my own experiences um, working with, with Activision Blizzard on some of these topics because, you know, I, I started working with them um, as a freelancer, uh, but I was, I was pretty deeply involved, obviously, with the creation and, and kind of the day-to-day -day runnings of the Overwatch League for, from... 2016 uh up until the end of of 2019 basically um and so i have to be very i'm going to be very careful with what i say and the the reason is is because um some of these are not my stories to tell um and they did factor into heavily factor into why i left overwatch league but i didn't feel that it was right to discuss it at the time um because again this this particular incident is not my story. Um, I there was an, a, a pretty, I in my opinion, serious incident of sexual harassment while in the later part of when I was at Overwatch League. And the reason why I didn't want to share this publicly, again, not my story, but also I don't want to cause this person to like relive that abuse. And it's it's ultimately their decision to make the details public. And the reason why I'm bringing this up now is purely to inform people about what my what my experience was talking to people and trying to get this resolved. So I'm not going to talk about what happened. Um, I will say that it, no women were involved in this, so it wouldn't have been in this lawsuit. Um, but it was very much an incident of sexual harassment. And I can tell you that what ended up happening, this was after Nate Nanzer left. Um, so don't want anybody to go cast dispersion on Nate. Uh, but after this happened, there were probably, there were at least a dozen witnesses to this, by the way. So it wasn't like an isolated incident. It, it occurred in a public place. Um, I thought it was pretty egregious. And so I ended up personally going and talking about this incident and expressing deep concern to seven different people at Activision Blizzard who were this person's superiors or were above them in, in the org chart. Um, three of these people, including the person who is responsible, no longer work for the company. Two of them do, and two of them left voluntarily. I can say that what was supposed to happen was that the people involved in this incident were not supposed to ever interact anymore. Um, I can say definitively that that didn't happen. It was not enforced in any way. And so um, that was pretty egregious in my eyes. And I can tell you that all of my conversations with these superiors ended up in dead ends where as I have no idea whether they did anything with HR or not, or if they couldn't comment on HR investigations. But I can say that uh, nothing happened really, and it, it took over a year for this to be resolved. And as I understand it, in the interim, this same individual then was brought under another sexual harassment complaint um, that had to be investigated as well. So 
I found it extraordinarily frustrating that I would literally go to people at the end of 2019 within the Overwatch League, people who are very high up in the company and say, I am extremely concerned about this. I think that this is horrible and this needs to be resolved. And nothing was done. Absolutely nothing was done. And so when I left, that was a big part of my decision to leave was because I felt that the, the, the whole culture was so rotten at that point in time. And it was creative differences as well. There were multiple factors, but I didn't want to talk about it then because it, it had no relevance, right, to, to me leaving. And again, it wasn't my story to tell. And then on the other hand, some of the other incidents that I perceived were occurring at Blizzard. And it is, it's hard for me because I felt that some of the leadership and was so incompetent that it's really difficult for me to tell whether this was sexism or pure stupidity um, because there were men who were ignored as well. But my perception was frequently that women that I worked with, and I heard stories from them that I was not party to, so I'm secondhand, that did seem extremely sexist, um, and also women that I worked with, I felt were actively being ignored in terms of them trying to contribute to the product of Overwatch League and, or, um, were not having their like career goals really listened to. And so they were being put in like weird positions that they didn't want to be in doing work that they said that they didn't want to do. And oftentimes the only remedy to these solutions was me myself going to bat for them and trying to change things. And again, I don't know if it was, it felt like sexism to me. Um, whether it was or not, I can't be in other people's brains, but I can say that I perceived it very much as disempowering women on their career choices and their viewpoints, even though many of these women had extensive experience and competence within their fields. And it was By like- the way, on the thing you said about like when you actually go to the people above them in the org floor chat and like they don't do anything about it or they bury it or they sort of fob you off with some shit, I look into it and then maybe yep. they never did anything. One of the concerns I would have in light of this like corporate culture storyline we've been building up is this. It's I've, I, I won't use the analogy directly, but I'll make it vague enough. There's a certain religion that has had a lot of problems with certain also sort of abuse cases, right? And supposedly, I once heard this explanation that made perfect sense. I never thought of it before. They, everyone always says, well, it's a religion. Those are supposed to be holy people. Why don't they all just out all the people doing all that evil behavior? And I was told basically, well, there are other sexual behaviors that the same religion denounces. And the joke goes like this at the top level either they're doing the one literal crime that you're not allowed to do sexually, right? Uh, but those people can't be outed by the others because they're doing what just the religion goes against. And the idea is, if you out me, I out you. And so there's like a sort of mutual de assured destruction. I get the vibe of that, Monty. I'd love to believe they were just incompetent and they didn't run it through. I would suspect this is what's more likely. Those people are also at the same parties. They know the same scenarios. They probably engaged themselves. And they know if I call this guy out, what if he uh, is going to get fired from the company? And he turns around and goes, well, fuck it. I'll empty all the silos myself. Here's all the shit I saw you 
guys getting involved in. So that creates a conspiracy of silence by definition because people have to keep each other's secrets, as it were. So it's why I do think it's a systemic problem. I don't think it's just the odd person. And I definitely think the thing you said earlier, I hate that, Richard, when the people who are in the games journalism industry try to imply that some 14-year-old kid making an edgy joke is a slippery slope to, oh, I've tripped over and I'm raping people now. Like There's there's no direct connection between those two whatsoever. They don't even engender each other. That, like They're not even... In, there's no causal link between the two. The, the, the problem is taking on the, the, the bigger stories and kind of like, you know, casting stones at the bigger entities... Um, unfortunately, that's hard. It requires a lot of time. Oh. A lot of these journalists uh, don't get that luxury. Uh, you, you know, to and try and give them some sort of credit. You are a lot of them are employed in journalism. It's this thing was tweeted. Get a rewrite up as quickly as possible because we our rewrite might make it to the front page of Reddit or get circulated on Twitter more than the original tweet did itself, and so. You you know, as whenever I've been doing these big investigations, you know, I need at least three months to kind of get the dirt under my fingernails. And these journalists aren't going to get that luxury. A lot of them haven't had any training. But I mean, ultimately, I, I, I'll I'll just say it plain. They are too busy abusing their platforms for petty reasons uh to settle scores essentially they are the people that were bullied in high school that now have oh, the bully sure. pulpit yes that they that they use to lash out at, at other people and you would think you know what better what better target than a powerful man with money and status in the games industry that uses that influence to abuse and demean women ah but that that avatar doesn't mean anything in their mind they never went through that what they did do was have somebody sneer at their clothes or sneer at the choices that they make about how they dye their hair or you know maybe they out they came out as gay at school and there was a lot of snickering behind their backs and so they settled that score and that's the level of childishness that's infected what is essentially meant to be the fourth estate for our industry. People yes. always laugh when I say that because they think it's like this lofty, grandiose assessment of what I believe journalism can do. I've always taken it seriously to yeah, that of course. I've never shied away from outing the really, really bad people and showing some sort of clemency you know, towards people that, as you said, it's like, look, it was 2008, it's 2021, it was a stupid joke. Oh. probably let that slide right and go and catch yeah. me an actual fucking predator you know but no they, they don't think that way so dude it's even built into the whole like mythos of why you're supposed to want to be a journalist it's why all those people at, like the washington post look like morons when they're like ah oh, the democracy is dying because my story was called fake news no that's not the case you want it to be like that because that's uh, you the mean jim acosta version. syndrome yeah that's, he's the, that's the movie version figure. of being the, the journalist is the idea that like that, you know they're going to be fucking threatening to kill me if i publish the story and it's what people don't want out there but when they get a chance to actually do it richard like you're saying like they actually come across something that would potentially cost them but could be really important to put out all of a sudden they don't want to play that game anymore they put away they pretend larp journalist outfit and go i'd rather just be a guy getting paid to say that this game's a seven out of ten on the misogyny scale like they don't have any serious fucking work to do is you're a journalist right unless you're i will say a games journalist in theory you would have thought would be outside this remit but as we can see that's not the modern <laughs> games journalist right in theory you should be able to be judged by your fucking scars the actual licks you took 
fuck to do your work. If you have no scars and everyone in the industry loves you and you're not blacklisted, you're a fucking shit investigative journalist. You never uncovered anything people didn't want. It's like that fucking Orwell quote where it's like, there's just public... They said, basically, there's what people don't want printed and everything else is public relations. So think that through if you're a fucking games journalist. Are you there just to sell copies of a new game or are you actually going to do some stories that matter in your life? You don't have to do them all. If each person did one that could potentially cost them, the whole industry would be cleaned up tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I there's part of me that's sympathetic to some journalists that aren't taking on those biggest or not that they're not taking on the bigger stories, but that are writing these less important stories because they're not choosing to write about, I don't know, some tiny indie game because they're passionate about it. They're doing it because they need the $300 that they're going to be paid if they write the article, and I get that. Um, and I understand that there's you have to take a risk and write these big articles if you want to actually have a profound impact on this industry that you are in a position to have a really good impact on. And sure, there are risks to it and you will have scars, but like wear those as a badge of honor. Who, who else can do this investigation, get people to speak out that otherwise wouldn't speak out to give you information and tell their stories in a way that can really impact things and change the entire discussion around it publicly. So it is really disappointing when people aren't doing that. I'm glad some are, um, but I want to see more, especially in a situation like this when who can say Activision is the good guy here? If you are a writer, a journalist, reporter who has been too, too afraid to speak out against the big guy in the past, now is a perfect opportunity. Now is a time to get those, you know, social media points that we were talking about earlier that you will get by globbing on on this. That shouldn't be your motivation, but it goes to show that you're unlikely to really lose much, at least in the eye of your audience. You will lose some credibility. I, mean, I think the thing that really is disheartening is, and, and you know, I, I don't like naming names ordinarily, but I think a lot of people consider that, you know, Jason Schreier to be sort of like the last great games journalist. And you know he, ca- you know he's a published author as well as a journalist. Um, and he himself came out saying, you know, oh, the gamers are spreading rumors that I was sitting on the story about Blizzard. Um, uh, uh, you know, he came out today and um, he said, "Here's the truth. I've been actively investigating it for years, and he'd heard rumors and anecdotes, but could never corroborate enough for an article for various reasons." And he says that happens often. Absolute nonsense. If you are pursuing an active investigation for years and you and you don't have enough to get it over the line, and you can't just present like well, you're no kind of journalist. Uh, like it should become apparent three months in what you've actually got, what you're looking at. You know, if you're actively pursuing something, like all told, with the big story that everyone thinks is the only story I broke. With the ma- to prove that I by power fixed that match in CSGO, it was six months from start to finish. But in that time, I had everything. I mean, absolutely everything. So the idea that this, by the way, which in two and a half years, the ca- government departments are notoriously inefficient, right? They, the Department of Fair Employment has been able to find all of this evidence, salary tables, all these anecdotes. As soon as that story dropped, there was another 20 anecdotes or so public have been collating them all. Blizzard forced into a response. You're telling me you investigated this story for years and couldn't get it over the line. Sorry, don't buy that for a second. And if that is true, you're fucking incompetent. Investigative journalist is, journalism is not your forte. You should really stick to writing puff pieces for these big companies that you profess to 
I mean, I think the problem is that a lot of the public reaction to these reports, too, is that there is no credibility uh, that you can earn with the fan base, because as soon as you say the wrong word, you're, the, the fans entirely destroy this credibility. So you need relationships with the developers to survive, because that's your day-to-day -day work as a journalist, right? There's nobody out there who... Uh, you know, because of the, you know, these attacks are probably also coming from the companies, guys. Like, don't, like, we've touched on this on the show before, but a lot of the PR you see on social media, on places like Reddit, these are bots or people who are hired by the companies to make these comments. Yes. And they are going on offensives on social media to just try right. and destroy the credibility of people. And so you can't get, you can't get caught up. If somebody has done, if they have skin in the game and they have demonstrated that they are willing to go out there and put themselves at risk in order to break these stories, please do not come back at them and clap back at them for some stupid, trivial bullshit, because that's exactly what the companies want, is to undermine the credibility of these people, which in turn prevents them from doing journalism because they're not hired by companies, journalistic websites, to do the credible journalism because something has been problematic in the past, right? Take- yep. The, the actual actions of people as the highest arbiter, not something that's said on social media. Um, I mean, it, it really is just getting egregious at this point. The entire industry, as we've outlined, is so incestuous. It's, it's almost impossible to divorce these websites from their reliance on the developers. And the people who are truly have carved out an independent space for themselves are constantly under attack by fans, but also most likely by the companies. I'm just general idiots in the industry. I know it's none of their friends who are journalists, which should seem to break these stories. Weird how that works, isn't it? They're all mad advocates and allies, but none of their friends who literally work in journalism ever break these fucking stories. They just do tweets. Which also lets you also lets you know that despite having a clear pipeline to leak these stories, as you talked about early, they have little interest in doing so because, you know, they don't want to be caught leaking. I mean, again, I, I, I would just say this. When I've had wind of stories about people suffering, like actual, you know, I'm not talking about something reputable. I'm talking about like someone's actual life. They are being actually harmed. Uh, you know, my conscience is clear. My record speaks for itself. I pursue that to the ends of the earth. I don't care how little fucking, I don't care what relationship it's going to ruin or, or dust up. Th this is an industry that is meant to be for fun. It is an industry that is meant to be for everyone. The idea that people are coming into this industry and having their lives ruined to the point where we have people literally killing themselves and dying for this is abhorrent. Nobody should feel comfortable with that fact. And so if I ever got wind of that, I would pursue it to the ends of the earth and I wouldn't be happy with a shrug at the end going, well, couldn't get that one over the line. What do you mean you couldn't? What other avenues are open to you? You, If you can't, give it to another journalist who can. If you're worried about litigation, which is often the unspoken thing in the room, leak it another way. These things can be leaked anonymously. These things can go on 4chan. If it is a genuine yes. fucking heinous thing that is occurring... It's not about whether you get the credit for solving the problem. Exactly. Just fucking solve it. And so uh, the moral cowardice, it, 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 it sickens. It sickens me. It, it really does. We've had problems in League of Legends for years play with, with players and then in the company, management. 
never I've never read that story until Cecilia did her piece in 2018. It took all that time for years. People shouting out about it. People like me actively saying, this happened, please. I uh, published every story. I was there every time Riot did anything. People said, you're biased against Riot. Yeah, I am biased against pieces of shit that do heinous things, actually. Sorry, I don't know what you think objectivity means. Objectivity means that I didn't let the bias inform the reporting. Now, the, whether or not I like these people, yeah, that's I am biased against those people. And so, you know... I, I just can't understand how so few journalists go after this type of stuff. They must hear it. I also can't understand how so many people can work at these companies, monolithic uh, as they are described, and, and, and yet no one leaks it. Not one person thinks, better have a sit down with one of my journalist friends and, and let them know that this is going on. And in that sense, I don't know. I, I don't know how you can look yourself in the mirror. I know I couldn't. This is also why, though, I say that I think, like, even beyond just literally the sexual harassment, just the general culture within these companies that is cult-like behavior, and it's literally adherence to people above you, no matter what they've done. Otherwise, they get reprisals. Because the other thing is this, right? The other way, if you don't want to leak it to a journalist, the minimum you can do, in my opinion, if you hear credible stories from people you know and trust, is you can spread those stories as gossip internally. Then at least someone might hear, maybe stay away from that guy, and don't accept an invitation to go to a... For secret room with that person for a drink you can at least do that and potentially save someone but i noticed they either don't do that or the implication is it gets stamped out real quick and there will be reprisals against you so that makes me more concerned about the general culture of your company like look at the people you are punishing and look at the people you are protecting you've got it all inverted it's spun around yeah i think we should talk about also uh, you know it's it's obviously an extremely difficult problem to solve, but I think it's undeniably there and it is endemic. Otherwise we wouldn't see it across all of these developers. Um, so I, I want to hear from you, Krista, about like what you think can actually be done about this because, or what you would like to see happen, um, in order to start addressing these issues, because it just feels like we're just caught in this endless cycle of, of bullshit. And it's, it's extremely frustrating to think that, Hey, there's nothing that can be done. People need to be consistent with their outrage um, and not get tired of being upset after a few days or after a week. If the momentum that's happening now, people that are speaking out, some people are writing stories about this. Um, people that were and are within the company are speaking out for things that they observe, not just people that experienced it. We need to all keep doing that. Um, but on top of that, members of the community, players, whoever, their response is really key here. Um, going back to what we were talking about earlier, an employee walk up for one day, cool, kind of, but there's no real long-term impact there. Do something bigger than that because we need to maintain this outrage and objection if we want to actually make a difference within the company itself. Um, but that's all easier said than done because we're still ultimately relying on the people in the positions of power within the company to create policies that are actually going to do something to improve things for these people. But do you think Blizzard just get to write a check and walk away from this? I think that they will ultimately be doing a version of that. I think they will be writing a check and settling the case. They will fire some scapegoats. They will say they're creating new policies. They will dump a bunch of money into whatever these various initiatives It will cost or something, yeah, and so you all yeah. have to attend it to sensitivity costs or something, probably, yeah. right? 
Yep, we put, you know, we're donating a million dollars to this cause, two million dollars to this cause. Okay, cool, great. I'm glad these causes are getting more money, but that doesn't mean anything. You can create new policies. Are you actually going to enforce them? Probably not. Um, but I'm jaded on this, as I think we all are. Um, people need to keep calling each other out of their bullshit. Like, call-out culture, you know, there's some problems with it when it's abused. But writing these stories about the difficult things, taking these stories that you're getting when people leak them to you and elevating them, turning them to a megaphone can be really powerful. If you're just some random person in the workplace, pay attention to what's happening. Do what Monty just described a little bit ago, which is he observed something where there was a pattern where some women were not being treated fairly. And by the way, Monty made a comment that you didn't know if it was sexism or not. I would put a lot of money on betting that that is exactly. Exactly. I'm just saying the people involved were so stupid that it's actually plausible to chalk it up to incompetence but yeah. i believe it was sexist <laughs> that and that's true however i think that's a, that's another different uh, different point which is you don't necess- you don't need to have the intent to like destroy women or hurt women in order to do sexist shit you could just be really incompetent and be so incompetent they don't realize that you are letting these implied biases show through and you are treating women differently than that so I well, it's also the, the, the reporting system that, that I encountered was broken. Like, how could I talk to seven different people about, and it wasn't a private issue, about something that was observed by a dozen people that was clearly sexual harassment and yeah. nothing be done about it? And it's yeah. like, you just run into a wall. Nobody's even willing to have the conversation. That's what I found. I got the receipts, yeah. guys. Like, again, I'm not going to reveal this shit because it's not my story to tell. And ultimately, me retelling this story brings people in that are involved into the spotlight where they could experience trauma from re-victimization. Like, trust me, if this gets out there, I will be the first one at bat for this. But I can't do it, guys. I can't basically, yeah, go on. That's another complexity too, which is not your story to tell. If you go and tell it, you're having these people relive all their trauma potentially, but they could potentially be at risk at retaliation, you know, after the fact for having reported it to you. Yep. So I agree do it. with the premise. Like one of the problems is that these are all just a story in people's lives that flash across the screen for three days and they have one and a half days where they're annoyed when they engage with the story. But then they just say, as you say, it's fatigue from outrage. You get tired of it. And also the cycle goes on and a news news story comes along and you're outraged at some politician or some other company. Like I'll tell everyone a little secret right now. This is the secret to being really petty about things that matter. Cause I've mastered it. I've got the whole formula down, like the elixir of life I can drink from anytime I want to what you do is you just think right back to your experience of when it happened right it's like trauma you put yourself into that moment again and you relive it and you go how fucking dare that guy say something about me on excess reality in 2001 and then you just write back there and you use that and you, that energy fuels you again and then you just keep thinking it over in your head over and over and you think and then they did this and they lied and they never did anything and it reignites it you relive it all again and again and again just do that over and over again and either destroy everyone evil in the industry or go mad but one of one of the two is absolutely guaranteed <laughs> maybe I, haven't, I haven't finished it myself so i don't know which way it goes but you know something, maybe else, something else is like super actionable which should be really easy to do we've touched on this a little bit earlier which is around these big major events like blizzcon blizzard tell your employees that they are not allowed to host like boosted yes. parties in hotel rooms yes imagine that would be obvious <laughs> The parties that typically host, like, cl- make it something that's clearly prohibited in your policies or something like that. Have your own set of BlizzCon policies. Yes. I don't care. But, like, have those rules and actually enforce it and monitor it. Um, how, how, about, how about no private parties where there are beds? 
Like, let's just start there at the bottom level. Like, don't be in a place where there are beds or like, if you want to have these, if you want to have these more, look, look, I'm a person who doesn't like big parties. I I don't like, you know, if I'm, if I'm at an event like BlizzCon, I like to, no, 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 I like to have actual conversations with people at these events. Right. And the networking is an important part of it, but like just have designated, if these people wanted to do something, it's not like Blizzard lacks money, rent a separate conference room and say, Hey, this is where we're going to have drinks and you know this is for discussing these topics and and anyone who is part of Blizzard who wants to come here make sure that it's clear for employees that it's not some sort of like secret invitation thing and just say we're going to talk about World of Warcraft quest design over drinks. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have drinks later in the Charlie Sheen lounge. What do you mean, cocaine and hooker? <laughs> no, never. It was just a coincidence. We just liked you know his movies in the eighties. What do you mean, yeah, comedy? <laughs> But default practice at these events too of the big things that you that people want to go to are the Twitch party or the Blizzard party or whatever. And it's always the same thing. It is some cool venue. Usually starts at like, I don't know, nine at night. It goes until late. There's tons of loud, loud music. It's always an open bar. Sometimes it's just a table filled with unattended drinks that you can go grab, which is a I've, I talked to Twitch, Twitch parties where I've seen those like tables yeah. full of just drinks that could be roofied to shit. And I literally have gone to Twitch and be like, guys, maybe, maybe not this one. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't. Do well, this. when we, when, <laughs> when, when, if you remember when that happened at the, uh, um, at the, uh, what's it called? The big FGC event that they have, uh, Evo. Every, Evo. every, yeah, Evo, Evo sorry. Yeah. Name escaped me. Not that I'll ever need to remember it um you know that that was the that was something that went on there as well it was a, like mass roofing yes. uh a colleague of mine um a, a, a guy literally felt comfortable in front of you know dozens of other people just tried to grab her and take her away uh, you know it, it it's it's madness some of the shit that yeah. these people do i i and you know it's like I, I I think honestly, I like all the I liked I should say when I was a young man. I like drinking. I still do. It's great. I like partying. I love it. I, you know, I partook of, of many a drug. I've had many a wild night. Many a great time. I liked the early rock and roll years in esports. I was a big proponent of that. I used to stay awake for days, ripped to the tits on speed, so I could write. Te- 20 articles over the course of a weekend but the the reality is what started happening is that was something you did almost external to the event it started merging people realized they weren't going to get the glitz and glamour outside of it or maybe they just didn't have very interesting lives and so what they started doing was let's make it let's have the big drinking sessions and the debauched parties baked into the conventions and unfortunately it's become a massive recipe for disaster and people are being abused manipulated and find themselves bad situations a lot of these people by the way are young adults they're not as what and certainly not as world wise as i was when uh you know I, i was their age um and so they don't know how to handle they don't know what to do if they get too drunk maybe it is a good idea to sleep on look he's got an activision blizzard t-shirt on he's saying come back and sleep it off in his room maybe that is a good idea maybe i will be safe there's a naivety to a lot of it and 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 when you start plying young adults who are fish out of water in social situations with drink and potentially drugs and god knows what else 
bad things are happening. And I think that is an aspect of convention culture we need to get rid of, frankly. It's, it's not only that, but if you actually go back in time, Richard, like I'm sure you've heard stories about this, but I think in 2013 or 2014, riots went to the Dominican Republic with their entire company and basically had a company-wide sponsored like resort bender. And like nobody's ever done reporting on that. I bet just some things happened there. You know what I mean? They even did it. They called themselves Hammer Industries and put a picture of Jace, the, the champion's hammer there um, as a like a cover so that people wouldn't know that it was Riot. But I mean, the, the thing that needs to happen in my mind is you need to you need to decultize these companies. Like the cult problem is super, super important, but it's not anything that anybody ever talks about. But they use the same tactics. And also like, like I, I, I actually don't understand, but it's like these these men who are in these positions of, of authority don't seem to get that what they think is a good time is a power imbalance that they are exploiting. And they think that it's because of, oh, it's my charm or like we're just having a fun party when the other end of that, somebody that you are potentially sexually harassing who's not interested is playing along with it because the risk to their personal career or their life, you know, their friendship group might be so severe by rebuffing your advances that, you know, they can't do anything. But I don't know if they're doing it intentionally, probably to a certain degree, or whether they're just completely ignorant of their actions. But what's like, grow the fuck up. What I don't understand about these these guys that that are that are in these chats is first off, I have never been in a chat or seen one that it's like, let's bring the hot chicks to fuck in the Cosby suite. Like I've never even seen anything like that in the, you industry. remember when league of honeys <laughs> was fucking just oh, yeah. normalized and prominent figures in league of legends were acting almost oh, yeah. like agents to bring girls to play a Facebook group uh, guys. Uh, and and this was just openly dis this was so so open. It used to be named on Reddit all the time, yeah. It was just discussed on Reddit with yeah. screenshots, and the fans were fine with it because of who was involved. Riot, a company that bans you for calling someone a cunt during a fucking you know game of uh, solo queue, didn't say anything about it. Nobody said anything about it, and then it all just quietly went away when a few people piped up and said, "Maybe it's inappropriate that you, as a prominent figure, are literally fetching women for players to have their way with at events." That was again just a completely normalized aspect of League of Legends. It, it, it's it's mind blowing. It's like you say, just grow the fuck up, like what, grow what, what, the what fuck I... up. What I don't understand about these men is like they are they seem to be just like trapped in high school where they want to like relive this like high school or early college experience when they're in their 30s. And it's like grow the fuck up as a man, like have a sense of duty to the people who are under you, have some class and professionalism. Maybe here here's a hard one guys. Maybe you should date people who have nothing to do with the video game industry and act like a normal fucking adult who can have conversations with somebody who has different interests than you, right? Well, <laughs> like, I, look, I, I think here's all you need to ask yourself if you're if you're watching this right now, let's say you're an Activision Blizzard middle manager. Ask yourself, is my is my job a vector towards getting laid? Is it a pathway to that? If the answer to that is yes, you are a fucking loser. You are an absolute pathetic fucking loser. You should quit. You should go backpacking for a minimum of two years and fucking learn a little bit about life.
because th that's all there is to it until yeah. and then and then come back and you might be fit to actually be in a position of authority and crucially a duty of care over young impressionable people that look up to you and, and here you go here i agree richard here's the here's the dev challenge for you guys go date somebody who has nothing to do with the video game industry that's for everybody who works at a developer go do it see if you can because if you can't you might have some weird issues there's just one thing I want to say before we wrap up the show, by the way. I couldn't think of a place to fit it, but it is super important, uh, and, and it's worth bringing up because it probably is going to be a factor in this case based on that awful uh, entry in the lawsuit about the suicide. I know the details are hazy, but one of the key components of that was that um, this was an individual that had been in a relationship with someone that they worked with, yes. and this person had circulated sexual images uh, of that individual around uh, the workplace. Now, we've had a number of high-profile instances in esports and gaming of revenge porn taking some really dark turns. And so I just think it's super important, especially coming out of a pandemic where a lot of relationships have been limited to kind of online dalliances let's say there's a lot of people circulating a lot of images and, and i you know i want to put it on the record that if you're a young person um you know i one of the a lot of the time a lot of times people crave these images not because it's a sexy reminder of uh you know the the moments you've had or it's a tantalizing you know, window into the future of things you might get, but actually it's about control. And so you'll find a lot of people have that take these images from you, do circulate them, and the more and more people that circulate them and the more widespread they become, the more and more you might find yourself pressured into doing things you don't want to do. There are a number of examples of this. Um, and so I, I think one of the things I wish we had, I wish we had some sort of support group in esports or some, because I know like any key does a lot of stuff around bullying, but I've, I've talked to them about this. There's nothing spe specifically for revenge porn. And I have an inkling that once the pandemic stops, I think we're going to run into kind of a, uh, an explosion of similar incidents to this. Um, and and it, it uh, the the best advice is unless you trust this person utterly with your life, do not give them something that again specifically in a male and female dynamic can be used to not just ruin your reputation and embarrass and humiliate you, but can that, that fear the fear of that prospect can be used to control you, and that can be done at work, and that can be done socially. Uh, you want to avoid sending those pictures like the the I fucking play. Um, I, I agree and appreciate the sentiment with all of that, but I also just want to be clear that if and when revenge porn happens, shit gets shared that shouldn't be getting shared. It's not the fault of the you know the person. Oh, of course not. No. And I don't think that's what you're no. saying, but it is a no, no, no. But yeah, no. But I understand that's a big part of the control yeah. aspect is the shame and the guilt. Yeah. You know, and you will find people much like, you know, in my generation, it was, well, look how she was bloody dressed. You know, that's what people yeah, used to say. Totally. Um, totally. You know, why did you give them that picture? Will be the first thing people say. Yeah, I think, um, I think um, it's really fucking awful. And like I say, I've, I've got firsthand experience. I know how destructive 
uh, a force it can be in people's lives. So when I, you know, when I saw that being part of this Blizzard lawsuit, yes, understand if you're in a working relationship. Um, the same guys that think it's funny to have a Bill Cosby suite in a hotel will think nothing about sharing those pictures. It's Absolutely even, not. It's even more damaging in this case because again, the way that developers operate is to is to be your entire world. Like imagine if all of your friends were working at this company. And so it's not only ruining your professional life, it's also ruining your personal life. It, it feels like where else do you go at that point in time if all of your friends are also your colleagues? Because of the environment that these companies create. It's even more devastating. Yeah. Agree. Um the like one last thought on things that need to be do things that need to happen in order to improve the culture of all these problems. And I did touch on that a little bit earlier, which is we need to keep demanding accountability. Um, the employees should keep demanding accountability from their company, the community, the journalists need to keep demanding accountability and change and from this company and any other company that works in gaming, quite frankly. This doesn't mean that we all need to you know, rush together as a mob and demand that one specific person be fired. That can happen so easily. And that's kind of one of the um, problems with cancel culture that we have is you can call out and demand accountability without pressuring a company into firing that one person because great, they, they feel pressured and they fire that one person. Did that really fix things? Probably not. It just punished the person and you got what you thought you wanted, but there's no real meaningful change. So what what meaningful changes would you like to see in your personal opinion? Because, you know, we talked to, you know, some of the demands that are being made are like the elimination of arbitration clauses, but not just from a legal perspective, but like in, in your own take, what would yeah. what would be helpful? Uh, within a company, uh, revamping of policies completely in a clear way to actually enforce it. Easier said than done. We're really putting a lot of trust into these companies. These, I think these companies should be hiring third parties to help them build out some actual good policies. Um, it will be helpful to, on a more short-term basis and a more easy-to-accomplish basis, change. You as a company need to change what you're doing outside of typical work hours. Instead of hosting these shitty parties that we all kind of hate but reluctantly go to, do something else, create networking hours, create rules for what's acceptable at some of these events. And, because all of that goes to this culture. Having and hosting these types of events doesn't mean that you endorse harassment or you endorse discrimination, although I'd argue that silence is acceptance to some extent, um, to many extents. But you are actively contributing to that culture. And I think companies to be, need to be a lot more mindful of that. So those are two huge ways in which I think we could improve things. Um, third, just individual people. Again, call shit out that you see is wrong. Um, it doesn't matter if you saw it today or if you saw it a week ago, call it out. Talk to the person who you think was hurt. Ask them how you how you can help address it. Like if you're someone who feels like you don't have much power to change things, I mean, you still can. To quote Gloria Steinem and shout out to Jay Allen Brack, who drops her name as like a get out of jail free card in a statement. Uh, she has a, she has this phrase, which is um, if you have more power than most people listen more than you talk. And if you don't have much power, talk more than you listen. And that's what people that aren't in positions of power need to be doing more and not just those that are victimized. And these are all, I recognize some of these are kind of amorphous suggestions and requests for change, but there are so many dynamics at play when we're talking about sexism, harassment, harassment, discrimination, and there's no clear one size fits all solution. We all need to be making these little changes where we can. 
How would you change some of these parties? Because you said like, you know, you, you have, you approach, and I, I understand this too. You, yeah. you know, you, you approach these going to these events with a degree of reticence, very different from my reasons, because I don't get sexually harassed at these events. And you, you explain that, you know, yeah. you have been made to feel uncomfortable when you go to these like alcohol fueled things. What would be the parameters you would set up? Because these things are important. And like, I don't have a negative, first off, I like drinking at parties and I like, you know, having tipsy conversations about things because the advantage is it opens people up and makes them be honest in many ways. And also it can be a more creative uh, environment. And I think the argument that, that these companies make around having these be lifestyle stuff is they want the creativity and the freedom that, that comes with that. And when you're making an entertainment product, you have to have some degree of like zany ideas or like free flowing conversations, not all of which at all times are politically correct. Cause you're trying to I've find the line or steam as well. Or, yeah. You know. Explore yeah, some, some things, but obviously there needs to be limits on that kind of behavior, mm -hmm. which doesn't spiral into the Cosby suite. Right. So what would your, what would your kind of parameters around this be? Yeah. Um, I go back and forth on whether or not the parties and their current iteration are even worth it at all. I get what you're saying. And I also enjoy drinking. We're also fun. old now, so we're, we're boomers. So maybe we don't, but, you know, for young but, people, they're a lot more fun. <laughs> I, you know, I'm 35 now. The music is always too loud. I just exactly. want to go talk to somebody. Exactly. I'm in the same boat. I want to have a martini and have a conversation, not like, you know, have yeah. the, have the dance party. But they could have other events as well, possibly to replace, I don't know, but highlight other events. Host happy hours. You can have the booze flowing, encourage creativity. Harassment might still happen at those events, but I guarantee you harassment and inappropriateness is way more common at midnight after people have had, you know, eight drinks at an open bar. But have all these other events as well. I would kind of love to see the events, the late night events, just get canceled together just because I would rather go to other things like happy hours or intentionally scheduling things with the people that I know I want to see and have time with. You know, schedule some sort of happy hour ourselves on our own, drinks ourselves on our own. I recognize that that's kind of what happened with the Cosby suite, but I have faith in myself that I will not be setting up a hotel room where I'm going to be, you know, luring in young women to be victimized. Um, and they can do all sorts of other events as well. My main problem is that the primary focus of networking are these super late night kind of booze filled yep. parties and they can be fun, but it sucks as a woman going into it. You have to kind of have a plan going into this for how you're going to protect yourself. And I always pay attention to who can I go to this party with? Am I with men that I trust right now? Because I tend to spend more time with men at these events because it is male dominated. And do I trust the men I'm with? If I'm not, I will not go to the party with them. I will go find something else to do. If I do, I stay close to them. I will usually talk to them about like, hey, keep an eye on me. Um, sometimes guys step in to help you. Sometimes they don't um, when you're in certain situations. Um, I don't know. So I'm thinking out loud here a little bit of what I want to see change for his late night parties, but I just think it's, it contributes to this awful culture. It creates so much more room for impropriety and threats and danger, quite frankly, to certain people that attend it. And they need to be changed or monitored better. I mean, how many times have people complained about there being unattended drinks served just on the you know bar counter or on a table? And these companies haven't even changed that. Like, Use even like the lowest level of intelligence and caution when you are figuring out how to run these parties and they will be a little bit safer. At least start with that. What do you think about the arbitration clauses and the changes to that in terms of, because if there isn't a, what mechanisms would you put in place to hold these companies accountable? Because I agree that just sitting here in the public and keeping, you know, the sustained 
you know, trying to hold them accountable through the basically sustaining our attention on it is one thing. But if you there were systemic changes that could be made, uh, you know, looking at that's one of the demands that some of the Blizzard Activision Blizzard employees have put out. Which ones do you think would actually be effective in terms of implementation? So a, cu a couple different potential questions in there. Um, so I'll answer it this way. Um, I think that as far as, as far as change to, to use this lawsuit as an example, getting as many employees or past employees as possible to actually join in and be plaintiffs in this case could have meaningful change because then they are hopefully going to be made whole for what happened to them potentially. Um, in this lawsuit, Hopefully the state can win on the injunctive relief and try to get a change to Blizzard's policies. Again, policies don't mean shit if you're not going to enforce them. Um, also, to be honest, I'm jaded as fuck when it comes to stuff like this. And I've are. seen a lot of different, <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of different lawsuits play out. Um, everything could go so, so right from our perspectives in this lawsuit. And we could see Blizzard get nailed with, you know, tens of millions of dollars, maybe even more, hundreds of millions of dollars in damages, all the people that we are villainizing now getting fired. But, you know, it still is a company. We still are in corporate America. You know, this is a company where they need to do what's going to make their shareholders happy. I think they ultimately will. I just, I don't think there's any perfect solution for what's going to fix things long term. But hopefully we can make meaningful change that actually makes it less a threatening place to be a woman. And I wish I had the answers. If I did, well, I would be shouting it from a rooftop every day. Right. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Well, that's always the conclusion we come to at the end of the show, yeah. Krista, yeah. is that... that Esports <laughs> must be destroyed, I believe, yeah. is our catchphrase. <laughs> that's right. Uh, Actually, I have a real final thought that I want to share, and I, I mentioned this a little right. bit earlier, I think, but I'm really glad i don't want to say happy because i feel like i can't be happy about this shitstorm that's happening but i am really glad at how much and how many people are talking about this um i think it's that's been really good to see because again i think if this lawsuit had been filed 10 20 years ago i don't think we would have seen a strong reaction and part of that is because of social media which is can also be its own hellscape but that makes me feel a lot more optimistic about meaningful change because I think people who haven't thought about these issues before are thinking about them now and hopefully they carry those that with them moving forward and actually allow it to affect their behavior. Any final thoughts? Oh, from, from, from us? I don't really yeah. have one. All I would say is this, is you know when you watch movies or TV shows, entirely fictional concepts like The Punisher, one of the things that makes them very satisfying is you know the bad guys never will get really caught, will they? They never really will be the systemic change. But you know what? When someone in a purely fictional setting becomes a sort of avenging angel, you know, just fictionally satisfying. I was, I was just making an observation about fiction there, which had no connection whatsoever to anything real or invented. That That's might, good. May not happen. Uh, strange, you chose to go with the. Let's just pretend on that note. That's um, all I'm going to say. Yeah. You know. uh, yeah. I mean, look, my 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 final thoughts are just this. It's like it's not a coincidence that it, it this has happened again, and it is simply because there was sort of some moment where um, a bunch of you know just like losers you know jacked up on their own hubris were basically able to put their hands on a bunch of money sometimes theirs sometimes big chinese companies let's say uh and they built um 
things that aren't companies i mean we hear a lot about california tech culture right and you know oh it's incredible man they have all these like non-standard working practices and the ceos like micro dosing lsd to like inspire creativity it's like yeah great cool open your fucking third eye how about we just have some ballpark basic you know working conditions where you don't treat your female employees like it's your own personal harem how about that for a fucking idea and so you know i i think we've been due a reckoning on how these companies work it's not just games companies by the way i have no doubt you're going to see a big tech company fall afoul of something very similar um in the next 18 months um and certainly i can think of other examples from outside of this field uh, that have had these types of things going on. There's something rotten at the core of this kind of laissez-faire corporate culture because you already it's already happening in a country that doesn't really value workers' rights, doesn't really value trade unions. Somehow the worker has been brainwashed into thinking that trade unions are fundamentally bad. Um, and so, unfortunately, there's not many protective elements around your employment environment in America. Some of the worst I've ever seen. I used to be a trade union representative in Europe, uh, in the UK. Um, and American employment law blows my mind some of the things that your employer can do to you. So I, I, I am not surprised. I am not shocked. But I'll tell you what, I definitely want to see fucking heads roll at Activision Blizzard. It has been a viper's nest full of just pathetic wretched servile degenerates that have basically used this industry for their own sick and sadistic purposes and i want to see them drummed the fuck out i want to see them named i want to see them shamed i want to see them fired and i want to see that fucking you know mark follow them around so they can't you know you go and do something else but you will not do it here you will not be allowed we will not tolerate it so it's going to be an interesting few weeks. Let's see who the scapegoats are, I guess. That would actually be a really great metal band name, by the way. Like, what was it? Like, well, Servile. What was it? Something. Wretched, servile. Servile wretched, Degenerates. Servile Degenerates. With their, <laughs> with their re initial release. Coming coming soon out. to yeah. BlizzCon in place of, of that Super drum, Tour and Elite. With their first album, Drum the Fuck Out. Yeah. Sounds sick. One another final thought that I just have, uh, which I meant to mention earlier and didn't, but... Activision hired this law firm, which I think they've worked with before, to investigate their practices, which is basically just performing an audit. And I'm really interested to see if in a few months when this audit is done, how many people do we see get fired? Because if there's like a mass exodus of people because they are being fired, it is probably the result of everything that was discovered through that. So that could be a really good tell for us watching um, regarding oh, not, by the much, way. how many skeletons are in those closets. Yeah, one other thing to say, because we actually didn't mention this, even though we alluded to it a bunch of times. Crazy idea. If you work in the industry, maybe don't hire all the people you actually think are good at their job, but did all the sexual harassment you heard about. Don't be like some cynical bastard who goes, well, I wouldn't want their talents to go to waste. And that was at a different company. And it's changed since then. It's like, maybe actually enforce some standards in your fucking industry. And once a few of these stories, especially people who have like loads of them swirling around them behind the scenes, just don't fucking hire these people. There's loads of people can just be a, in marketing or be a coder or fucking designer champion you don't have to hire these people yeah i mean there is a part of me that reflexively wants to see every single person suffer that did something bad suffer for the rest of their life like how can you not be so horrified what happened okay. you don't want that. that was my whole totality but yeah keep going but uh <laughs> but uh there there's also a part of me that thinks like 
if we actually want to have like improvement in society as a whole, we do kind of have to give people like room to like change and grow. This does not mean they're entitled to another job somewhere oh, else. Maybe they're not entitled yeah. to a job like at any point, but it's another complication as we try to untangle this mess. Ideally you want rehabilitation, it. right? Yeah. Ideally. Again, easier said than done. Yeah, it's course. up to them to actually do the work. Yes. Um, but it's finding a balance between let's make these people let's punish let's, let's get these people out of the space we don't want them here but also finding a way where maybe they could be a productive trustworthy member of society in the future they are not now but maybe in the future let's see what happens yeah i'm just saying don't do it like a nordic country where you just put them yes. in a room let them play n64 for two weeks then sell them right don't do it again and then yeah. they go oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah let me be clear i will be happy and probably celebrating to see a lot of these people get fired but, it will uh, feel but, good to see somebody have to the, the part people yeah the part people always forget in our industry uh, in particular is that if you want forgiveness you must show contrition <laughs> we yeah. don't do that bit we don't follow the equation we either confer forgiveness because hey they're a good old guy you don't like Duncan says we don't want their talents to go to waste i worked with them at the company well i never saw it so and actually they seemed okay probably. and what you don't realize is that their mother died at a tragically young age everyone oh. pro you have to show contrition you have to admit you did something wrong you have to never put yourself in that position again lest the temptation gets you uh you know it's for your worst most base instincts you know yourself you can't be trusted doesn't mean you can't ever have a job doesn't mean you could be you know in the same way i mean we are talking about essentially sex offenders here right like, i'm not talking about putting them on a fucking island and walling it off right i'm talking about you know what's what type of you could call it maybe richard uh, yeah celebrity non-silent i don't know um you know but the, the, the point is like we we in society we acknowledge you have done something unforgivable and so that the, the penalty for that is that you can't do certain things ever again right in gaming we go yeah they've done something unforgivable but hey, riot's got an opening for this job and you have the perfect cv yeah. for it so <laughs> across you go What's what's even more egregious, guys, is that these people don't need saving. They have enough money for the rest of their oh, lives. Yeah. It's like, and also, it's like, for example, Scott Gelb from Riot, who's the COO, has enough money for the rest of his life, especially after the sale. Scott and like, they could have, you, you know, his 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 bros in the executive suite could have said, you know, Scott, sorry, you got to take this one, but we, we got to let you go. We're going to give you a golden parachute and you'll never have to work again. Many of these people like, oh, that are golden parachute sounds fucking filthy. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but you know what I mean? It's like a lot of these people that we're discussing who were at the higher end of Activision Blizzard, who are their names are coming up. They do not need money, guys. They don't need to be saved by you, pleb372 on Twitter because you like the game. Like, they're going to be fine in the end. They're going to be protected by, by their dude bros at the company who also enabled all of this behavior. And you can quietly let them go. And you know what? It, maybe it's not the way I want to see them go, but you, you know, we don't have to save them. And in terms of, in terms of my final thoughts on this, and I think what's, all right. what's, really, what's really egregious about what I see in terms of the entire tech industry and the video game industry is that there there isn't any sense that men ever have to grow up. And I think so much of this comes down to how men are allowed to behave, that they can basically continue to live in these high school and college fantasies and are never taught to have duty or care for people who are 
their subordinates. They never expect to be in a position of power, and so they never actually grow up and assume the 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 proper trappings of duty that are expected. And it's gross. And I think that society just doesn't 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 expect that of men these days. And I think also, you know, one of the things about the tech industry is that what is great about it is the liberal culture that allows you to, um, you know, really open your mind and expand. And like Richard was talking about, like, oh, I, the, our boss is cool because he microdoses LSD. Like, there's a freedom there that's absolutely wonderful that drives innovation. But the other end of that is there is no expectation of duty. It's like you just get that freedom for free and you can do whatever the fuck you want with it, including being directly abusive and predatory or at the at the very minimum basically assuming that you don't have any duty or you don't have any authority and then operating under those circumstances, whereas the people below you do not operate under those circumstances. They are beholden to your power in ways that you don't even understand. And so the fact that men are not taught that I think is hugely problematic beyond gaming and to a certain degree beyond tech itself. Um, and it's, it's a big bummer. And so I think like if you are a man in these circumstances, you really need to carefully examine your own position, the authority that you hold, and what the expectations of your behavior are. And you need to step up and, and fulfill those expectations. Super interesting point. It reminded me of something that I, th I think about when these issues come up. And I don't think it's talked about enough, which is there's an element of some men get trapped in gender stereotypes as well that wind up contributing to this. And a lot of that goes to the fall into this bro culture without realizing it and i'm not this i can't find a way to phrase this that doesn't come off as i'm saying like these guys that are letting harassment come are the victims fuck no obviously i do not think that they're doing some wrong shit but that is another problem that is contributing and it is a problem that needs to be solved i don't know how that gets solved i don't know what it's like to be a man trapped in those gender stereotypes or feel pushed into them but it is another part of the problem well yeah Thing is, I've always thought like that was actually an excuse when men claim that themselves. Like as I said earlier, same thing with what Richard's point was. Like just because in 2010 you could use different words in a joke doesn't ever mean that because the joke was allowed that everyone was like, and by the way, we're all cool with rape and stuff, right? Like that was never I I never grew up in a world where rape was just considered a reasonable activity that you know people do and you just cover it up. Like that was never the reality I ever lived in. So like I've I think some of that stuff is also like this is why conflating all the like the most mild thing with the most fucking intensely strong thing is such a bad mistake to make because it sounds like people are accidentally going from being like a mild dick to the most person ever whereas some of these people I think like listen there might be the occasional person who just doesn't know what they're doing but some of these people are also that's why the word predator is used it's applicable they're creepy individuals who actively seek out a certain type of vulnerable individual in this case it might be some who works below them so they don't have the same sort of wiggle room to get out of your advances they won't comment or rebuff you in the same way i think some of these people do it intentionally and quite frankly like that their actions i hope would be decried in any industry at any point in history you would hope and they do it under the cloak of righteousness and you know you just have to recognize what the righteousness is in the catholic church it was being a priest and an authority within that institution and you know basically because of the way the catholic church operates you are the link between them and god and it, you should be very I, I would encourage people to be very cautious about 
who is who is dressing themselves in the raiments of popular dogma and then question why they are putting on this public performance because oftentimes as has been the case throughout human history it is it is a costume to shield predatory behavior um as disturbing <laughs> And just because it's happening in secular humanism instead of religion these days doesn't make the tactic any different. Oh, and by the way, as an aside, but I'll say this because it's actually a very re real piece of advice that people should apply. Just because you see someone on social media, if you work in the industry, if you're a woman or a, or a man, this can happen to all sorts of people. Just because you see someone on their social media flex that they care about these topics and are against abuse and they speak in favor of women doesn't mean that that person also will not potentially victimize you in that particular situation. That could be a very cynical individual who is putting on that particular mask. And in fact, even worse, may use the fact that maybe you have a story yourself as a way to target you and to think that you're someone vulnerable they can see. so i would just say generally it's a sad state of affairs but you have to essentially be on your guard around everyone in the industry get until as i said before unless you know the person and you really know them well and can vouch for their behavior don't make any assumptions because there's another thing people always say that like oh but you could never know by yeah exactly because you can't know what a person's like just looking at them at first glance or very very basic performative things anyone can do on twitter like that's no guarantee that this person is a safe vector for friendship having a good time at a party so be on your guard around all these people until you can really just tr like verify them and I, I would actually do what Krista says have a group of people who look out for each other like they check like oh we all agree before we leave at the end of the day. I think men should do this by the way the amount of times you hear stories about men who just like Oh, what happened to him? You wonder are they even alive? Like, did he crash in a ditch somewhere? Did he even get in an oop? Nobody fucking knows. Like, we should actually all just check on each other. Like, everyone needs a support network, in my opinion. Yeah, care about each other. Whether you're a man, woman, or you know, non-binary, doesn't matter. Check, like, care about each other. Show empathy to each other. If we all showed more empathy to each other, so many of these problems would just be significantly minimized. But it's just something we don't normally do because we're always so focused on ourselves and our successes and how can we get what we want without having to sacrifice anything very little well i think that'll do it thank you very much krista for being the the horsewoman our fourth on this show I think today for this episode it'll be a horse chick but you can't really throw an x in there horse chicks. <laughs> with two x's jesus yeah. christ no, we we appreciate you coming on. Um, we'll we'll keep an we'll keep an eye on how this develops. This I I have a feeling this is not going to be the last Four Horsemen episode on this topic. As Krista alluded to earlier, probably the answer is going to come out. Uh, there's going to be a lot more to discuss, but this kind of a, an initial look and what's deeply wrong with this industry. And uh, as 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 we said before, esports must be destroyed. Esports delenda est. We'll see you probably next week for some more bullshit.